Sills, happy Monday to you. The show that always has something to say. And the show always covers the world of sports, which is always prominent. It's never a day, a weekend, where the sports world is not front and center. NBA playoffs have been interesting. Could be the first time, what, in history that both conference finals have teams that are swept? Incredible. Nuggets look like the best team. And Jimmy effing Butler. Jimmy effing Butler. Wow. Dude, that guy's a gangster. And I mean that with the greatness of just taking your heart. I've never in my entire life seen a basketball player since Jordan that just pulls your heart out of your chest. I mean, like I said, this guy reminds me of a dude that was in that scene, Last of the Mohegans, where that Indian chief just pulls his hand out, puts it into that English general's chest, pulls his heart out, and goes like, that. dude, that's what I saw yesterday. He is a gangster, man. I mean it. That guy just pulls your heart out. And you know what's cool? Because we talk a lot about culture here. You know, Pat Riley, where do you find these guys? Where do you find those guys, those undrafted, I want to play, I want to play hard. There's just such a great culture with the Miami Heat, man. I guess if you're Pat Riley and you know what you're looking for, it's not that hard to find the guys that fit your culture. Pat Riley looks for one type of dude. And you know what's crazy? Tone, everyone, right? LeBron couldn't handle that. He couldn't handle it for more. Can you imagine if LeBron James had stayed in Miami, how many more championships he would have won? Think about that. No one brings that up. If he'd have stayed in Miami, how many championships do you think LeBron would have now? Six? Seven? Pat Riley's not going to go to sleep. There's going to be a culture. But get this. Nobody on the planet brings this up. Nobody brings it up. If he stays in Miami, LeBron James wins seven and passes Jordan. Then there's nothing for the Jordan lovers to hang their hat on. Except maybe the fact that he did lose some finals. If he had stayed in Miami with Pat Riley... They'd have won more championships. LeBron didn't want to stay in that culture. That winning culture. Now look at it. Now you're in an organization now that's overachieving. Hey, and for the record, I'll say this to you too, before we move on. Before we move on. How many people think that the conversation that's out there now that there's a market for a... James Harden at four years, $200 million is crazy. How many people think that's crazy? Well, let me throw this at you here. This is going to sound even nuttier. So LeBron James is going to make basically 47 to $50 million next year at 38. You think the Lakers are going to get any better with him? I don't want to trade AD. But what, what, what are you doing with LeBron? Selling tickets? Okay. Kind of what you did at the end with Kobe. 
Would you sat a lot more losing? Would you ever consider trading LeBron to at least get something for him? Trade him somewhere? Maybe back to Cleveland? <laughs> Maybe to the Miami Heat? I don't know. If you're the Lakers, you got a $47 million, 38-year-old guy who, who is not a $50 million a year guy anymore. What do you do? LeBron deserves it more. Hey, I'm not saying that LeBron's not playing better basketball than Harden. I'm just saying for $50 million, there is a number on this, isn't there or not? Okay, I mean, would you ever consider moving LeBron James? Why he can? He's not Kobe Bryant. LeBron has always been a rental. He's not a Laker. He's a mercenary. That's the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe. Those guys were Lakers and Bulls. LeBron James is a mercenary. Doesn't matter if they trade him or not. He has no loyalty to any organization. He's not a Laker. He just played with them. That's, he's Laker fans don't even consider him that. He, he's kind of like A-Rod was when A-Rod went to the Yankees. He was never looked in the same light, even though he was a better player than Derek Jeter. He was a better player than Derek Jeter. You know, he had as many gold gloves as Jeter at shortstop. But it was A-Rod who had to move to third base. Nobody in the right mind ever went like this. Hey, A-Rod's the face of the Yankees. It was always Derek Jeter. Why? Because he was a homegrown guy. Always a homegrown guy. If you're Jeannie Buss, man, do you think of trading LeBron James? Why he can? The Lakers aren't going to get any better. You're not going to be better than the Nuggets next year. You're not better than the Suns. You're not better than any of those teams. And you're, you're not getting better. You're getting older. And you've got a guy on your team. See, this is where the Eagles... The Eagles would move LeBron James. They would move LeBron because it's all about the organization. AD has to go. Why? He's the younger guy. I'm tired every year barely seeing this man on the court. Well, at least I see him and I don't see Zion Williamson. Just saying. So, again, I mean, the Lakers have a $50 million, 38-year-old man next year on their books. <laughs> I don't know, man. If that were me and I was a general manager, you think Pat Riley would move his ass? I think he would. But people never bring that up. Can you imagine if he had stayed in Miami? He could have six or seven NBA championships now. Ego. Hey, today, pack show. Gary Cobb, as always, 430 Eastern. I got 10 questions about your 2023 Eagles. I'm going to throw that at you here in a second. Also, our friend who's calling the NHL playoffs now, Keith Jones, the president of hockey operations for the Philadelphia Flyers, will join us at 5.30 Eastern time. I look forward to talking with Keith, our friend. Man, we've been friends a long time. Bruce Arians, JM, is Wednesday. Seth Joyner is tomorrow. That's on the early part of the schedule. So Arians is Wednesday, and we're working on the time for Bruce. That'll be Wednesday. Tomorrow, Seth Joyner. So we've got the early part of the week. 
lined up here for you too. So I threw something out yes or Friday, and I I, I kind of went back and forth with people on Twitter yesterday at Dan Cilio show, and we were talking about the best teams since 2000 in the NFC. And then, of course, you have Seahawks fans that are jumping on there going, well, the Seahawks are 8-1 and one or 9-1, and one, whatever it is, against Philly. I go, that's not the – that wasn't the statement. I don't give a shit what your record is versus Philly. Since 2000, there's only one team that has more wins than the Philadelphia Eagles. Here they are. And by the way, the Rams, I didn't even add it up because you know why? The Rams suck. Their record is terrible. It's even worse than the Buccaneers. And what I did was I went back to 2000 and all NFC teams that have won Super Bowls are on this list. These are your teams that have won Super Bowls or Super Bowl, been to Super Bowls, and have the best record since 2000. The Packers, 231. Well, you got Favre and you have Rodgers. You better have a hell of a record. The Eagles, 217 victories since 2000. They are second. The Saints, 2000 or since 2000, 211 victories. Drew Brees. The Seahawks, you got to remember something now. The Seahawks came back to the NFC in 2002. So in theory, they have 195 wins. But I went ahead and gave them the two years in the AFC. Remember, they did conference realignment. They were in the AFC. They were originally an NFC team. Then they put them in the AFC. Then they... Moved them back to the NFC in 2002. They have 210 victories. The Giants have 177 victories. And the Buccaneers have 170. And the Rams, I didn't even add it up. It's so bad. There's so many two-win seasons. Even though they've had some success as of late being in Los Angeles, there were a lot of lean years in between the Super Bowl in St. Louis and current run, what they're doing right now. Rams don't really have a great regular season record. So they're seventh. Now you look at what they've done, the Packers. Packers have had two great quarterbacks, absolutely. It's been more about the quarterbacks than the coaches in that building. Mike Holmgren's a great coach. If I had to say which coach was probably the best coach of all this group here, you'd probably say Holmgren here a little bit. Because Holmgren also was part of Seahawks' success. Remember, Mike went to Seattle and had some success in Seattle. Seattle's a really a really good organization. John Schneider and those guys, new ownership now. But John Schneider and Pete Carroll have been great there. The Giants, the Maher family and the Tisch family, I think they've fallen off a little bit since Reese hasn't been the general manager and Tom Coughlin's not in the building. But they're they're getting it back. They're kind of trying to roll it back. They had a they had a turnaround season last year. The Buccaneers with the Glazers, Glazers are good owners. They're good owners. Just fall on hard times sometimes hiring the right guy. You know, the one thing about the two teams at the top, though, they seemingly hire the right guy. And 
they made really great judgments on quarterbacks. Remember, some Favre didn't initially start his career in Green Bay. He was an Atlanta Falcon. They made a trade. Ron Wolf made a trade for him and brought him to Green Bay. The Eagles, the Eagles have done it with three different coaches, three different quarterbacks, three different generations of players, really, and they consistently go to Super Bowls. They're consistently at the top of the list at the NFC East. They get the best. I think they've won 85 ball games since 2000 in the NFC East. So, I, you know, everyone start then lining up records versus the Eagles. That's not what the comment was. I didn't say who's the, what, what your record was versus Seattle or what your record was versus the Packers. I said the best franchise in the NFC were the Philadelphia Eagles since 2000. And I do think that still. I do. You know why? You know why I would take the Eagles over the Packers? They got an owner. They actually have an owner. And it's not quarterback reliant. What you guys have done in Philadelphia since 2000 has not been because of one particular player. It's been because of one particular owner. And that owner wants to win and own the NFC East. Jerry Jones worries about TV ratings, overpaying his players, not getting to a conference championship. has got to kill the guy. Eventually, again, like Tone says, you just can't put your name on the test and go, hey, I passed. The Cowboys haven't passed the test in 30 years. The Eagles are fighting every single year, it seems. A couple down years. On winning the NFC East and making some hay in the postseason. It's a great run organization. Okay? It's a great run organization. Second and wins. The Super Bowl appearances. The NFC Conference Championship games they've been to. The postseason success is better than Packers' success. Packers get home field advantage and blow it. How many times did we watch Aaron Rodgers blow it, especially over the last couple of years here? Right? That starts all with that owner in Philadelphia. Jeffrey Lurie's been a great owner. Great, great, great owner. Believes in a culture like Pat Riley does down with the heat. Can you, yeah, what, 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 what gets me about Pat Riley and, and Jeffrey Lurie and with Howie Roseman, these guys are all about the team. It's all about the team and the culture. Dude, the Miami Heat, would we not agree, are the least talented team of the final four teams that are left in the NBA playoffs, right? They're the least. But, man, they got a war dog in that Jimmy Butler dude. He is the best leader of the final four teams. Jokic, all them guys. He is a, an assassin. And get this. Doesn't he remind you of Jalen Hurts? This guy doesn't give a shit about numbers. Doesn't care about the regular season. He just cares about winning. Jimmy Butler and Jalen Hurts have a lot in common. Man, it's all about his teammates. It's all about winning. 
It's right. 11. With Butler and Hurts, dude, like Ricky Bobby says, if you ain't first, you're last. And I believe that's how those guys think. Someone was asking Butler the other day, hey, did you think when you guys were in the playoffs that you were going to roll it back and you were going to win the way you're winning? He's like, you're damn right I did. Telling you, man. And you know why more people are watching the NBA playoffs now? Because you got guys like Jimmy Butler and you got teams like the Miami Heat. Isn't that cool? Those guys aren't playing just to win a championship. You know what they're playing for? They're playing for the Heat culture, their jobs. They're more in fear that Pat Riley's going to find someone else to replace them. And those guys are those guys are playing for fear. You know what the fear is? You may not have your job because he can find someone else. So you're constantly playing in fear. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, man, when you're starving and you've got to feed your family, you'll do a lot more things than when you're sitting at home in a comfy couch. I'd like to have a couple guys like that on my team. You're in fear of everything that's around you. You're in fear of your job. You see, in Dallas, they're not afraid of their jobs. Place like Philadelphia, hey, you can be replaced and you will be. They'll pull the carpet out from you. I, I, I think this is such a great lesson in cultures. Okay, when I, when I watch the Nuggets play, I go like this. Oh, they haven't been there, and they, you can see it sometimes. I get a little nervous. When I watch Butler pull your heart out and just shit all over you, and then you start talking shit to him, worst thing you could do, this guy's Jordan. It's like watching Michael Jordan. I have never, or Kobe Bryant. When I watch Jimmy Butler play, it's like watching Kobe Bryant. He, he, he reminds me of Kobe Bryant. Kobe's more talented, I think. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. <laughs> I, I think. Just, man. That guy is just something else to watch. That's a dog culture. It is, Callie. And I so appreciate that when you get a culture like that. Dude, Neil, he is a Jordan. All right. I wrote down 10 questions. Ten questions. OTAs are next week for the Eagles. Ten questions I have for your 2023 Philadelphia Eagle team. And I'm going to ask you if you think these come to facts and become facts. I've got a question, 10 of them. Let's start it out. And I'm going to keep this right here all year. 10 questions, 10 burning questions about the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. Here we go. Will Jalen Hurts play 17 games? I'm saying, no. here, I'm going to put Big Sills and you. I say no. I say he doesn't because he hasn't. Do you think he plays? And not sitting issues like, you know, you wrap up home field. 
and he's a healthy set. Not, I'm talking about injury. Okay. All right. 15. His ass better plays. <laughs> yeah. uh, 14. I think we're all in agreement. He's not going to play 17 games. There's going to be a nick or two this year. Hey, it wasn't devastating last year that he got hurt. He was tremendous in the Super Bowl. Just a question. Here's question number two. Will Hurts throw for 4K and 30 touchdowns in 2023? Remember, you just answered he's not going to play a full season. Does he throw for 4,000 yards, becoming only the second Philadelphia Eagle to throw for 4K? And does he put 30 touchdowns in the air in 2023? Not likely. 30 TDs, not the 4K? If anything, I think it's more the 30 touchdowns and not the 4K. That's a good question, too. Which one of these does he do? 30 touchdowns or 40 or 4K? I like that question, too. Because 40 touchdowns and 30. Hey, 30 touchdowns and 4K, that's a pretty good season, dude. Okay? And by the way, if he did something like that, Josh Allen, move over. Just move over. If he did that, move over. Move over. Because I'm sure there's going to be 800 yards behind that rushing the ball, too. Just move over if he does something like that. 3999, 35 touchdowns. I say this there's not a chance he's going to go for 4K and 30 touchdowns in the same season. No way. No. All 17 because he has a better running back core. No way. You don't have a better running back core. Yeah, the guy last year had 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Guy went to the Pro Bowl. So you have a Pro Bowl back back there? You have a committee. Does he get paid more for that? 11. Probably there's incentives in his contract that say that. Probably there's incentives in there. Okay. Speaking of running back. Will the Eagles have a thousand yard runner this year? And for the record, so you know, I love DeAndre Swift. <laughs> I think it was a great trade. I absolutely love that move. I'm a huge fan of that move. Okay. You think you have a thousand yard back? Tony, you think they have a thousand yard back this year? If he has 800 yards, then he'll get 4K passing. He's not getting 4,000 yards passing, missing games. You guys already said it. Okay? And Jalen's, I don't want Jalen to run 4,000 yards. When you have a running back, I don't believe you're going to have a 1,000-yard running back this year. And nor do you, really. 
I think Swift is going to have a lot of total offense, though. Like, I could see DeAndre Swift about 1,700 yards in total offense. Okay? Yeah, me too, Tone. I think there's an all I, – I, I think Swift is going to be like 1,500 yards, somewhere near an all-purpose. So, I mean, actually could be an upgrade because you're going to have a screen game. Penny is good when healthy. Wake me up when he's healthy. Here's a here's an interesting one. These are questions for the 2023 Eagles. I'm asking all of you. Will the Eagles have three pass catchers with a thousand yards? Will you have three? Goddard, Devontae Smith, and AJ Brown. What do you think? Do you will will the Eagles have three thousand yard pass catchers? If I'm not mistaken, I think Dallas Goddard, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he'd have been right there at a thousand yards too. You could have had three guys, maybe. Wouldn't that have been crazy? And Hertz would have probably been over 4K. Wasn't he somewhere around 3,700, even with missing games? Probably could have been right around that number. Right? Hopefully two. Can you imagine if you have two years in a row with two dudes with 1,000 yards? I would make this comment to you if that happens, that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, probably your best duo pass catchers in Philadelphia Eagle history. I think I think you guys are going to be pretty close. I'm with you. I could see Dallas Goddard at 900 yards, and I, I I could see I could I think you might. I think you might have three pass catchers with a 1K. Think about that for a minute. Where I'm saying he's not going to throw for 4,000 yards, but you may have three dudes with a thousand yards in catching yards. Two receivers and a tight end. I struggled on this one because I think I think they could. Will the Eagles have three pass catchers with one K? A healthy Goddard is over a thousand. Oh, wait a minute. Look at what Game 7 saying. He says, I'm leading the witness. All these trick questions are designed so Dan can later, you fans said, don't fall for it. That's not true. That's not true. Dude, what do you think? I'm one of those Philadelphia media guys that set up Jalen Carter? Come on, man. Philly 500, what up, man? Philly 500 goes big sills. I think. Devontae Smith will be a top five wide receiver this year. Hey, Philly, we've been asking this question here. I got 10 questions for the 2023 Eagles. Will Hurts play 17 games? I'm saying no. Will Hurts throw for 4K and 30 touchdowns in the same year? I said no. Will the Eagles have a thousand yard back? I'm saying no. And we're here now. 
Will the Eagles have three pass catchers with 1,000 yards? Damn, Dan. <laughs> Let me think. I Hey, Tone, this is going to be nutty. Philly, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have three pass catchers over 1,000 yards this year. <laughs> Thank you, Game 7. <laughs> I'm circling that one. I think you are, man. Dallas Goddard would have had 1,000 yards this year or this past season. Okay? I, 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 he would have had 1,000 yards last year. Okay. Question number five. Will the Eagles have three defensive players with double-digit sacks? Yes or no? Philly 500. Yes, sir. Will the Eagles have three players with double-digit sacks? Nolan Smith, I'm picking to lead the Eagles in sacks because they'll put him situationally. Um, Hassan Reddick, you got to put him down for double digits because he's done it double digits. Brandon Graham, Carter, Josh Sweat. I think the Eagles are going to have three dudes with double-digit sacks. Here's a hard one for you now. Will the Eagle defense finish for the third year in a row in the top 10? This I'm saying no. This I'm saying no. 4,000 passing yards with wide receiver. Jeff, Swift Swift helps that. Swift and the health of Goddard help Jalen get an opportunity to get that 4K. It's going to be on health, though. Hey, Jeff, just so you know, it's not that I don't think Jalen Hurts can't throw for four grand. It's will he be able to? Will he be healthy enough to? That's what, where I'm at. I'm not talking about skill set. I'm talking about health. Top five? Oh, I don't believe that at all. Too many holes in your defense right now. Need another linebacker? So Josh goes like this, or it's not Josh. Who's saying it? Yeah, Josh is saying we need another linebacker. Well, Josh, if you're on May 22nd saying you need another linebacker, in my opinion, Josh, you need a linebacker. Okay. You need a linebacker. Three players with double-digit sacks, but not top 10 defense. Yeah, because I don't think you're going to be able to stop the run like you think you are. And I think you'll be down in the 20s in stopping the run. Um, and if you can't stop the run, you're, you're going to be in trouble this year. And I think you're going to have guys that are going to be able to get to the quarterback. But I, I, I the issue for the Eagles this year is not going to be pass defense, or rushing the passer. It's going to be stopping the run. Okay? It's going to be stopping the run.
Question number seven. Will the Eagles win 12 games? Buffalo. Chiefs. The Jets. Woo! The Niners. The Cowboys. Easy. Is that right? Hey, by the way, somebody at the... Oh, oh I have to do this. I got to stop it here. Hey, um, Philly, you're going to love this. I have a little insight and I have a little intel from the NovaCare Center, from my spy at the NovaCare Center. Okay? And it concerns Matt Patricia. Do you guys want to hear it? This is about Matt Patricia. I've stopped at seven here. Will the Eagles win 12 games? I think they will. Okay? No, Michael, I'm with you. I think I think they do win 12. I, I, I think they win 12, and I think they win home field advantage. Okay. Here, here's what I was told because people watch the show. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate the fact that I know people watch the show now, even more so every day. Um, my take on Patricia is good when it comes to disguising defenses. But someone pointed this out to me. Sills, who do we play on our schedule? Jets? Yeah. Dolphins? Yeah. Patriots? Yeah. Oh, I'm just checking. Bills? Play the Bills too, right? Yeah. So we play the entire NFC East or AFC East. Yeah. I'm, it's really not rocket scientists here. <laughs> hey, I went, it was like a light bulb, even more so went off. Holy shit. This guy's got all the game plans. How Belichick game planned against all the teams in the AFC East. And he's got them. And all the things that they did, they kind of play almost the same kind of defense they do in Philadelphia, that they do in New England. This is all about Patricia's here because of the AFC East teams that they play. And the disguises. But, I mean, I was, hey, it, it, was, it, it was like an epiphany. Dude, you should have seen this guy. Hey, hey, Tyler, you should have seen this guy. He goes, hey, I really like your your Patricia take, but can I add a little bit to it? And I go, sure. You're in the building. Who do we, what's the first game of the year? Patriots? Oh. Do we play the Jets? Yeah. Do we play the Dolphins? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, don't play the bills yeah <laughs> don't over he goes you know you say something on your show that's really great and everyone's using it around here now don't overthink shit sales <laughs> hey <laughs> when he said that to me i was like man why do i do it? he goes don't over don't overcook it like you always do he was brought in. Well, you you're right, but also because of the AFC East, 
<laughs> Captain Obvious strikes again, right? So Howie brings in a, a Howie brought in a hitman for the AFC East teams. That hire looks even more like a master stroke now. He didn't bring him in to be some sort of defensive guru, dude. He's got that in this kid, Desai, he believes. He brought that guy in as a specialist. You know how you hire a hitman and you don't want it to be tied to your own family? So you go out to another family, the Lucchese family, and you go, hey, I need you to knock someone off in the Gambino family. Not that I would know these things. I've read books. <laughs> Not that I would know these things, okay? I've just, you know, just, I just heard things. And I heard things from Tommy and Bob and John, you know, and Luigi and Vito. Okay? So that they hired a hitman. The Eagles have hired a hitman and Matt Patricia to hit the AFC East teams. Hey, I gotta bring. I'm gonna bring a boy, my boy, in here. That's probably how they told Slay, dude. This guy's not gonna be day to day going working on defensive schemes. He's an assistant to the assistant to the assistant. He's like a consigliere. <laughs> Matt Patricia's the consigliere to Nick Sirianni, <laughs> and then they all report to the Godfather. That's what we're going to start calling Howie the Godfather. Hey, you know, I got to bring someone in here to bring someone in to go over there. You're in the dirty business. <laughs> who is in gambling? Eh. <laughs> Get the guy, Patricia, bring him in here. And by the way, tell Luca Brazzi I need to see him. <laughs> hey, that, hey. <laughs> Matt Patricia's Luca Brazzi. Hey, bring Luca Brazzi in. And tell, tell, tell Luca Brazzi to come in here. Matt. <laughs> this Johnny Fontaine thing, I need you to go to Vegas and fix it. I need you to go up to Gillette and fix it. Holy cow, man. Howie Roseman hired Luca Brazzi. <laughs> <laughs> To take care of the AFC East. Um, <laughs> Sills knows a little too much about setting up a hit. No idea what you're talking about. I read it in the books and I watch it in movies. Not that I know things or things, you know, and I haven't seen things or know people who know folks. But, you know, are you saying, J.H., that I was serving tea at Santos Traficante's place down in Ybor City? Are you saying that I knew Santos? Ah, Santos. What a great paisan. <laughs> yeah. Used to go over to his house. Then used to go down to the Columbia restaurant. When I was with the Buccaneers and in Miami, have a little, have a little like espresso. Santos is good. Hey, <laughs> Santos is good people. <laughs> oh, he was. Yeah. Let me get back onto this here. How he's a hitman. He hired Luca Brazzi, Matt Patricia. Right? <laughs> Holy cow. I'm old. Wheels. <laughs> Pretty smart, though, dude. You hire a coach that knows exactly and has game planned against those AFC East teams all those years and decades. How would you not want that knowledge 
inside your building. That, that's what I say about those guys when they make their hires. The Eagles do great hiring, and it's thought out thoroughly. That's so smart now. I mean, really, the guy, the guy in the NovaCare Center goes, Dan, don't overcook it, dude. We're playing a bunch of AFC East teams. He's brought in because he's game-planned against the Bills. He knows how to beat Josh Allen. He knows how to beat the Dolphins. He knows how to beat all these teams. He saw all those players in New England beat those teams for decades. He knows how Brady beat them. Super smart move. You know, everybody in Philadelphia was doing this. Matt Patricia, this guy sucked as a head coach. Howie wasn't looking at that. Howie was looking at him as a hired assassin versus the AFC East. Pretty smart, man. All right. Let me get back to my 10 questions for the 2023 Eagles. Let me reset. Will Hurts play 17 games? No. Will Hurts throw for 4K and 30,000 yards in, or 30 touchdowns in the same year? No. Will the Eagles have a thousand yard back? No. Rushing. Will the Eagles have three players with 1K in pass catching yards? I can't believe it, but yes. So you, I don't know how you go 4,000 yards. The kid doesn't have 4,000 yards, but yet you have three pass catchers with 1,000 yards. So I, I then again, it's big sales math. Um, will the Eagles have three defensive players with double-digit sacks? I believe they will. Will the Eagles have a top-10 defense? I do not believe they will. Okay. Hey, Eastwood, shut up. Okay? Go away, Snowflake. So said that he go away and kill somebody to become that girl. Such a snowflake. People like you make me sick to my stomach. Yeah, but see, this guy here does this and that. You hear what he said? Hey, Eastwood, take a knee. Jordan Davis plays more than 60 snaps. And by the way, that's all you get out of my out of me today, Snowflake. Your new name is Snowflake, Eastwood. Philadelphia Snowflake. One of the very few. You hear what he said? If you dated a daughter, he'd murder the guy. <laughs> Dude, you need a bib and a banky. So, hey, you, you need a banky. You see what he said? You must work in the radio business or at Crossing Broad. <laughs> Woo! Boom! Will the Eagles win 12 games? Yes. Here we go now. Here's one. Question eight. Will the Eagles lead the NFL in points scored? Will the Eagles lead the NFL in points scored? <laughs> no, no, no. J.H., that dude's name is Blow Pop. <laughs> J.H., that guy's name is Blow Pop. 
Hey, no doubt, dog. That's why you can't do radio anymore. Because those are the people that work in the radio business. Do you hear what he said? You think the Eagles can lead the NFL in points scored? Cincinnati. Mm. Mm. I don't know, man. Three dudes with 1,000 yards. Pat. Yeah, hey. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's all right. I don't think you're. I think you guys are right. I think it's going to be Cincinnati, Kansas City. But they could lead the NFC in in scoring. No, they could lead the NFL in scoring. Hey, yeah, some of you guys. Hey, you know what? Like, you know, remember uh, Full Metal Jacket. When the when the uh, sergeant comes in there, and Fat Body's eating a um, like a jelly donut, I'm not gonna blame him for eating the jelly donut. I'm gonna blame all of you for allowing him to eat the jelly donut. <laughs> I'm gonna blame you. So from now on. I'm going to punish you when pile laughs up. <laughs> Holy cow, what the hell is that? What is that? It's a jelly donut. It's a jelly donut. <laughs> and what is a jelly donut doing in your lockbox? I was hungry. He was hungry. Ah. Got to take care of some people sometime. Code blue. <laughs> Here is the ninth question. And I think this is an interesting one. Who will have a bigger impact on the Philadelphia Eagles defense in 2023? Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis? Who will have the bigger impact? Carter. Jordan Davis. I think Carter, too. Listen, you know what's going to happen this year for Jordan Davis? And this is why this is great to have somebody like Fletcher in the building. Um, Jordan Davis. Everyone's going to realize what I said he is. He is. He's not a bust. And by the way, I, I still love the pick. He was just overdrafted. I still love the pick. He, he's a fine ball player. No one's ever going to go like this. I don't want Vince Wolfirk on my football team or Tony Saragusa in their prime. No one's ever going to say that because you need to have run stoppers on your team. It, there's, there's, you're going to go like this. I eh, probably could have gotten him a little bit cheaper. You overpaid for him. That's all. Happens. 
sometimes you over, we all overpay for shit. I think Howie overpaid here, but that's okay. He's still going to be worth having him on the football team. Like, this guy's not going to be Derek Barnett. Okay? He's not going to be Derek Barnett. He's going to be cool. He's going to be productive. Carter's going to be your impact player, though. So if I had to pick who's going to be the bigger star and have the bigger impact in 2023, one of my burning questions, I think Jordan Davis has an impactful season this year. But I think that Jalen Carter is your superstar player. And I think that threesome, if you get that thing right between Fletcher, Jordan Davis, and Jalen Carter, I think you could be better than what you had a year ago. I think it's really going to all determine what kind of shape Davis is in. Do we agree with this? Hey, do we agree with the, with the triangle here? This could be an upgrade compared to last year. On these two things, Davis comes in in shape, and if Jalen Carter comes into camp for the Eagles with a great mindset, puts his nose down, goes out, and makes plays like he can, and he's very capable of. But I also say this about him. He's going to have to get in game shape. That Georgia Bulldog program does not have these guys conditioned to play in the NFL 65 plays. You know why? Because they don't play that amount of plays when they're at Georgia. You're either killing a team and getting pulled. You're either rotating a bunch of guys. You're not physically conditioned to play in the NFL. You have to be in better shape, no matter what your talent skill set is. Because why? You don't have the roster and you don't have the depth that you have in college football. You understand that there's 85 people on a college roster. There's 100 with walk-ons. You got 53 guys, 47 on Sundays. You don't have the ability to sit there and put a guy in and rotate guy. You can't ro nobody rotates guys like they do in college. Cause you, you don't have the personnel and you don't have the roster length. You know, that's one thing I'd like to see the NFL do. I would like to see the NFL expand that roster a little more. And I know they got practice squad guys, but if you're going to play Thursday games and you're going to start playing more games, shit, they're even talking about an 18th game. You're going to play overseas. I think you need two buys and more players. That would, that would, that would, in my opinion, solidify the fact that I think that you could get through a season without having a lot of guys hurt. I think you need two bye weeks. And I think you need to expand the roster to 60, maybe 65. And if you did that, you'd be able to get through a regular season and playing Thursday night games would be cool. And you know what you could also sell, right, Yale? That you're looking out for player safety. Instead of playing on a Sunday, turning around and having to play on a Thursday, right? And you're not physically healthy, especially later in the year. If you had two bye weeks and you had an expanded roster, you're going to be cool. And you can also, like I said, sell the fact that you're looking out for player safety. Until the NFL does that, you're just ringing up the catch register at the expense of the players. And one day, you're going to get, once again, Case Keenum versus Nick Foles in a conference championship game. Nobody in their right mind wants to see that. I don't want to see substitute teachers in conference title games. Okay? I don't.
Number 10. What's the point of the international games? Cosmo. They get to start the cash register early. Six o'clock Pacific time. Okay, six o'clock Pacific time. You get to start the cash registers when you're playing in Europe. That's the only reason you do it. Okay. Here's the number 10th question. Who will lead the Eagles in receiving yards this year? They want NFL Europe? Yale. Why in the world would the NFL think that their brand is going to sell in Europe when no one gives a shit about it? Do you know the only place that they play American football is in Canada and America? With a, with a league. That's the only place they play. It's not like soccer or basketball. Okay? You don't play American football anywhere else. As a matter of fact, nobody calls football what we play. They call it soccer in Europe. Okay? Why would... It, it, it's, it, it's a sales pitch. You think people in Germany are going to watch an NFL game versus having a German national team or a German soccer team playing against England. Come on, man. (laughs) The NFL in Europe would be like the MLS. Nobody cares. You weren't raised on it like we were. It's not an American sport. Why would they root for it? Or it's not a European sport. They wouldn't root for it. We don't root for non-American sports. That's why the Olympic Games don't do well. <laughs> you think I'm really going to... Oh, cross-country skeet shooting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, cross-country skeet shooting. Who? Wait a minute. Watch this. Who, who's the dominant country in cross-country skeet shooting? Germany, let me guess. <laughs> Let me guess, Germany. <laughs> right? <laughs> Cross-country potato smasher throwing. Who's great in that? Germany. Okay. <laughs> Finland. <laughs> oh, Curling. That's Canadian sport, I think. See, JB, I think that I could win an Olympic gold medal. There's a chance for me still to this day to win a gold medal. I wanted to try to win one in the shot put, you know, but a guy named Michael Carter was hanging around and I couldn't do it. Hey, hey, I got to, hey, I got to tell you, Tone, I got to tell you this, this story about Michael Carter. His daughter won the Olympic gold medal, you know, in Rio. And Michael won three Super Bowls with the 49ers, played at SMU, great player. In my opinion, probably one of the greatest nose guards during the nose guard era. And he missed his first year because he was in the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles. Well, we were young kids. So, hey, oh, my God, it was at the Penn Relays. It was at the Penn Relays. Maybe it wasn't at the Penn Relays, but it was at Franklin Field. And they got all the top shot putters in the country together. I'm throwing at 60 feet, 12-pounder, high school kid, 
feeling pretty good about myself. I go, there's Michael Carter, owns the national record. I had no idea what the national record was. So Michael Carter goes like this. He comes up, he picks it up, throws it 62.5 or something. I throw it 61 something. I'm like, oh my God, I think I could beat this guy. I go pick up his shot, but he's throwing a 16 pounder. I'm throwing a 12. He threw the 12 pounder, 80 feet. I went, I went, what now? <laughs> he threw it 80 feet. He threw that shot, put 80 feet. It, it, everyone in the building just went like this. We just started sinking like butter in a pan. He threw that shot, put, I think it's still a national record today. He threw it 80 feet. Hey, hey, JM. I go, I think I could beat this guy. I go pick a shot up. It's, it's a 16 pound shot. I'd throw in a 12. And, I, and he's throwing at 62 feet. He could have qualified for the Olympics with that throw. And I'm going, oh, my God. I must have threw it 20 feet after that. <laughs> it was like, that's the end of that. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. People who don't work out blame jelly donuts. <laughs> All right. So let me recap here. Big Sills, 10 burning questions for your Eagles in 2023. Will Hurts play 17 games? No. Will Hurts throw for 4K and 30 touchdowns in the same season in 2023? No. Will the Eagles have a 1,000-yard rusher? No. Here's the contradiction. Will the Eagles have three pass catchers have a thousand yards or more this year. Yes. Well, how the hell can he get? That? <laughs> yeah. That's Sills math there, 101. Will the Eagles have three defenders, double digit sacks? I believe you will. Will the Eagle defense finish in the top 10? I do not believe they will. Will the Eagles win 12 games? I think they will. Will the Eagles lead the NFL in points scored? I don't think they will, but I do think they could lead the NFC in scoring. Who will have a bigger impact on the defense this year? Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis? I said Davis. I didn't finish this one. Who will lead the Eagles in receiving yards in 2023? I'm going to say Dallas Goddard. I'm going to say Dallas Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard's going to have the most receiving yards of any pass catcher on the Eagles this year. I think Goddard. I do. I think Goddard has the most pass catching yards this season. Yeah. I'm going to ask Gary Cobb these same questions. Just so you know. I think it's going to be a very – hey, and by the way, like Yale said, 12 wins is a big deal because I think the 49ers can win 12. I think the Cowboys are going to be right there at 10 or 11 wins themselves. Um, Goddard has to stay healthy first. 
I don't think the offense changes at all. Game seven is, see what he's doing right here. See what game seven is doing? He's playing, he, he, he's playing, he's playing um, jailhouse lawyer here. Sills, Dan Silio, I want, I think wants us Birds fans to be wrong in these predictions. You remember how he held it against us for Wentz? He will do the same later. Man, ye of little faith. What? Me? Hold you to your words? You hold me to it? How many times you guys put two and five up there still? Two and five, Sills. Yeah, but I did say you were going to the Super Bowl. Two and five. <laughs> but I did say you were going to the Super Bowl. I don't care. Two and five. Oh, Dan Cilio, the safe pick is AJ because they have connections with one another. You see, though, Philadelphia, Big Sills doesn't play anything safe. You understand that? Gary Cobb coming up, bottom of the hour. Don't forget our friend Keith Jones, the president of the Flyers, will also join us. He's on his way to the rink um, in hour number three, too. So we're hopefully going to be able to catch up with him. That'll be at 530 Eastern. Hit the like button, hour two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
GLES Eagles. Our two big sills national football show. Please hit the like button. Our friend Gary Cobb from Fox 29 in Philadelphia will join us at the bottom of the hour. Then the president of the Flyers in hour number three. How about this number here, man? The Eagles since 2000 are 86 and 56 in the NFC East. By far the best record. By far. All goes to the culture. Super Bowl appearances, conference championship games, playoff wins. There's not a t- there's not a team in the East that could put a resume like the Eagles can. Giants have more Super Bowl wins. I get it. And you're right. They do. But the model of consistency has been the Philadelphia Eagles in that division. Just like the model of consistency. Here, I would put it this way. I th- here, here, here are the model of consistency teams in the NFL for the last 25 years. Philly, New England, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Seattle. Kansas City, probably. New Orleans. Probably. That's it. It shows you how hard it is to be consistent. Okay? Shows you just how hard it is to be that consistent. All right. Baltimore, rep, Baltimore, very good. Baltimore for sure. I would put Baltimore in that. Um, Please hit the like button here. I I want to, before I get to something on Jim Brown, my daughter asked me this actually. I happen to have watched the um, interview with Matt Ariza on KUSI in San Diego. And he did his first exclusive interview with, the folks there at KUSI obviously went to school at San Diego state and there are still people, especially in the Philly market now have gone from him being innocent or guilty. And most of them are saying guilty to now. Well, it's a civil case. Well, shit, man. Do you know what a civil case is? A case is making shit up until something sticks. Do you understand? That's what a civil case is. Now, I'm not saying all of them, but in a case like this, when the district attorney says he wasn't there, there's no evidence, video, or anybody that could corroborate that he was even there. She's lying. And I'm taking this from the interview. She's lying. And so because the media and the liberal media that we have, they're going to say, you know what? In some of these civil cases, some of these civil cases, again, you just make shit up until something something sticks. That's what our liberal media does. They'll say anything until something sticks. You got people now saying this. Well, you know, he's got a civil, a civil case. 
Shit, you could be sued for anything. Anybody can be. I listened to this interview with this guy, and I get this. He has no ill will towards San Diego State. He doesn't want to sue school to school. But he's suing the attorney of the girl. And he's not, get this, they wanted him to settle for 50 grand. He went never. He went like this. Hey, yeah, watch the interview. They were in the same dorm. It was in the same dorm. Like, watch the interview. I posted it at Dan Cilio show. Okay, go. I, I posted it so people can make their own opinions, not listen to some jackass make an opinion on it. He's done nothing wrong. <laughs> Admission, if you, hey, that's right. He's not going to admit to that. They wanted him to settle for 50 grand in a rape case, 50 grand. I mean, my integrity means a little more than that. So where, where, where now people are rushing to help this kid? Just like they didn't when it came to the Duke, the Duke uh, lacrosse case. Everybody went after those kids and ruined their lives. They were a great team. I think they were the defending national champion. Everyone called them rapists. Threw them out of school. Did anybody ever apologize to them? Hell no. They're collateral damage. So do you just get what? Guess what you do? You just pass on by it. That's what you've done here to Matariza, dude. Let me just tell you this. My opinion has changed because of what the authorities are saying, not because. Actually, this isn't an opinion. I'm listening to what those guys are saying. I have a daughter too. And if somebody was doing, cause I'm going to get into a topic on Jim Brown here and I'm going to ask you about it. If I thought that that guy had done those dastardly deeds that people were saying to happen to that poor girl, I would never want this guy. I, this guy should be incarcerated. I mean, I, I don't know how he shouldn't be incarcerated, but everyone who's involved in the case is saying he's been vindicated. Yeah, I'll go, sometimes bad shit happens. So we should leave a guy in jail for 30 years if we find out later on that the guy was actually innocent? Hey, man, I don't think that's cool. I think there should be as many people screaming for Matt Arisa now on his innocence as there was when they thought he was guilty. But you see, we just kind of like blow it off because you know why? We don't like to be wrong in the media. And so the media will just blow on by this. Okay? Let me bring, you, let me bring up a topic here. And I want to get your opinions on this. <sighs> Look, we had a great conversation about Jim Brown. And Jim Brown, one of the most iconic players in the history of sports, not just the NFL. So my daughter came to me, I think it was Saturday. She's like, dad, so Jim Brown threw a girl off a balcony. 
every decade that he's lived pretty much had a domestic violence case against him? I said, yes. He goes, why isn't that being brought up? I couldn't answer it. I told her this. I go, well, sometimes when we look at our heroes, we dissect it. I mean, we do. White and black. Kobe Bryant. Okay, Eagle Creek. We, 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 we completely forget that. When I think it's part, Mike Tyson. Okay? Anybody, any athlete that has had something happen to them. Ben Roethlisberger. Okay? Ben Roethlisberger in the, um, in the bathroom with that woman. Kind of clogged. Brett Favre. All that shit. She goes, why do you guys always celebrate somebody like that, but don't bring up the indiscretions? It's a great question. I, I think, and it's pathetic in a way, I think it's because we want to remember our heroes in a great light. We're all fallible, I think. You know? She's like, but he beat women up. <laughs> they, I, I know. So you think he's a hero? And I go, can you look at somebody with their athletic exploits and separate the character of the guy? Can you separate it? Can you separate that? Can you, you can, you think, yeah, you can, you can look at Brown for what, see that I, I think you can too. My daughter thinks you can, you put it all in a, in, in, in a, in a bowl. And I think then you look, and I don't think you do that. And here's why. I'm not Jim Brown to me again is a tremendous football player and one of the greatest football players of all time. He's not my idol. He's one of the greatest players of all time. He's done so many good things in his life. Has he done bad things? Yes. Does that cancel out the good things? It's a very complex life that he's lived. It's a very complex life. On one hand, he's had domestic violence issues. On the other hand, he's done great things for minorities. He's an activist. He's one of the people that were standing up, not just for black athletes, for all athletes. Okay. I thought it was an interesting debate, though. She's like, you know, I'm watching all these people talk about Jim Brown. And she didn't know who Jim Brown was. And she started, like, doing some history on Jim Brown. And she was like, wow, this guy wasn't a very nice guy. And I'm like, okay. She's like, you know Jim Brown? I go, yeah, very well, actually. I'm just saying, I mean, how do you, how do you dissect that? Because there's been so many great people talking about what Brown's impact. Hey, and by the way, Brown's impact on the football field is legendary and second to none. We all know this. But do, do you bring up the bad part of it? 
Because isn't that part of the story? Or is it that when someone passes, you kind of omit it, but you know it? Like Mike Tyson. I liked, I liked the rehabilitated Mike Tyson. I like Mike Tyson today as a heel. Get this. Here, here's something funny. Maybe this is exactly what it is here. I look at Mike Tyson today, and I like Mike Tyson, the person today. I love Tyson today, okay? But I miss Tyson the fighter. I miss Tyson the fighter. I miss that guy. You ask Mike Tyson about that guy, he hates that guy. Tyson hates that guy. I had him on my program in San Diego on the Mighty 1090. And Tyson went like this. Every time, I, every day I woke up, I hated that guy. I just hated that guy. I get up every day now, and I love who I am. Do you know that money that he earned when he fought Roy Jones, that $9 million he earned? He gave every dime of it away. Okay. I mean, and, and Tone's like, so true. Tyson hates his boxing career. He hates who he was. Dude, can you imagine that? Somebody so dominant like that just hated the person that you were. And that person is revered more than the person today. Look at how we revered that guy. I do too. Went to jail for sexual stuff, right? And you're like, man, that guy was just unbelievable to watch though. I think Tyson is, I think he's more rehabilitated now because I think he's cool with who he is now compared to what he was. And I think that's how people grow. I think you can. I think Jim Brown is also a complex dude. Jim Brown didn't hate who he was, though. Jim Brown was just Jim Brown. And I look, I, 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 I get my daughter's question. Or how about your friend? Then she brought it even more closer to home. She goes, what about your friend, Michael Irvin? I go, what about him? She goes, what about your friend, Ray Lewis, who was involved in a murder case? I'm like, she goes, you still like them guys? I go, I do. She goes, you still talk to those guys? I said, I do. She goes, I heard you talking the other night with Ray Lewis. I'm like, I did. She goes, he was involved in a murder case. I'm, I'm very aware of that. Yet, sometimes you killed some of these other guys and you ripped some of these other guys. I said, well, I don't have personal relationships with those men. She goes, so you think Ray's a good guy? And I go, sometimes, man, when, when you're in this profession and you have a kid like that that comes down and asks you questions, and by the way, I admire her asking me the questions and putting me on the spot. Because as a father, I have to answer how I truly feel. I'm not going to lie to her. I never lie to her. It's funny. I just looked away. I feel like I just lied to myself maybe. Maybe sometimes I do. Because that's a habit with people. When they lie, they look away. Maybe I have. But, yeah, because maybe I did lie to her about Michael Irvin and uh, Ray Lewis and some of the other guys that I've known. Jerome, she goes, you think Jerome was responsible? I go, no, nor was I. I said, that could have been me in that car very easily. And, and very easily. <laughs> I could have been in that car with him. I think admiring athletes, 
maybe this is some of the things that Barkley said years ago, you know, when you talk about role models. You see, this is why I've never truly had a role model that was an athlete. My role model was, I, I posted a picture. My aunt sent it to me. The face of Sandy Hook um, is celebrating his 50th year in the church in Connecticut. His name is Father Robert Weiss. He married my wife and I, blessed our, our, our marriage. He's been my preacher for over 40 years. And I admire the guy and I love the guy. He was the face of Sandy Hook. And I don't really tell the story much. All you have to do is Google it. I know there was a time that he took off after Sandy Hook because Father Bob, Father Bob um, had to tell the parents which ones their kids were lost and which ones they weren't. They got all the parents in, a room, in the gymnasium and it was Father Weiss that told some of the parents their children were dead. And it affected him for two years. And I, we all reached out to him all the time just to make sure he was okay. And those are people that I admired. My grandfather. Guys like that. People that had impact in your life. That's, that's why I think it always gets a little bit and, and, and this is how I kind of explained it to Danielle. I go, well, guys like Jim Brown, I mean, not a hero of mine. I mean, I don't really have an athlete hero. I have my, my preacher, my grandfather, my aunt, my uncles. Those guys were my, my, my role models because I saw them every day. Hey, hey, yeah, can you imagine going in and going like this to like, there's, there's 50 parents 25 of them, they told that I had to go over here and 25 over here. And Father Bob had to go with them. And he had to visually tell them that their children were slaughtered at Sandy Hook. <laughs> I asked him, I go, he goes, just what you would think. I'm like, oh my God. I'm, I'm proud he's my priest. Mm, crazy people in the world. That's that, that right there, my friends, that's a role model to me. That's a role model. He's been with me for 40 plus years. I have a problem. Call him. I have a problem. I email him. Been with him 40 years. I didn't know Jim Brown had a checkered past. You know, Tim, I think, you know what, our whole story and all of it has to be put in, 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 in a book, you know? I do. I really do. All right. So I threw out my 10 questions and told you my 10 questions I have for the 2023 Eagles. By the way, Keith Jones is going to join us. Hour number three, the president, the brand new president of the Philadelphia Flyers. That'll be in hour three at 530. I know my friend Gary Cobb knows him very well. Gary's been talking sports forever in Philadelphia, and he joins us now here with Big Stills. I appreciate it. 
Surely you know Big Keith, right? Working over there. Well, you know, the big thing is, uh, you know, I know the Keith who was, you know, on the radio talking and everything. See, now he's in a different position, you know. So so him being in a position, I don't know if you're going to get the the Keith. uh, Well, you're going to get, you know, a guy who's got a lot of responsibility and, you know, uh, so we'll see, you know, because he's 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 funny, man. He's always got the jokes and the different little uh, rhymes and all kind of stuff. <laughs> he he's uh, he's a lot of fun, but uh, I don't know if you're gonna get that Keith because he's got a lot on his back. You know, um, when I came here, man, the Flyers they had a following. I mean, really committed following people uh, who really were ready to go out on the ice and fight with them. You know. These guys were, were gritty and, and tough, man. So uh, I know that's what, they, you know, they want to get back to. Gary, did you – I know you I know you um, got in politics a little bit, but mm-hmm. did you ever think about getting into front offices or did you ever think about going to work for, like, the Eagles or a team like that in the front office scouting or even coaching? Did you ever – did it ever cross your mind? Oh, yeah, it did. And I probably would have. But, you know, I got an opportunity to jump in the media right away. You know, if I had to do it again, I would have probably gotten in coaching because I could have always come back to media, you know. Uh, but, you know, and I enjoy it. And I, really, I play uh, I'm involved like I'm in the locker room a lot of times. And, um, you know, I work with a lot of players after they finish playing now. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you, you love that. I mean, I love that locker room, you know. You love the here, guys. Here, here, Gary. Oh, I just know this. You don't yeah. really have to be that good of a coach to make a lot of money today. So maybe I, hey, maybe I would have did that too. You don't really have to be good. No, no. no. Yeah. Hey, if you get a couple guys, you know, well, you know, thing is, if you get that quarterback, man, whoo, he, he can cover up a lot of mistakes. If you got the right guy who's, uh, who's back there behind, you know, center or, you know, you 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 could get a you know a couple of players on the team that, you know, um, you know, you take the guys down there in Baltimore, that defense down in Baltimore with Ray Lewis and those guys, man. Um, uh, but you know, it it, it would have been fun. You know, I can't because I like being around the game now. I mean, when I could go over there now, and start messing with guys, man. You know, I barely know them. You know, I could go in there. You know, you go in the locker room, man. You know, because. You, you just remember so many uh, uh, jokes and things that guys have played all through the years. And and different players remind you of a guy you played with, see? Hey, Gary, did, that's funny you say that. Before we move on here, <laughs> uh-huh. did you find that transition going into media? See, to me, I got in, pro- I got in trouble because of some of the shit that I said on the air. Uh-huh. Because I was still in the locker room mentality. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. some of the things that you say in the locker room, you would ever in a million years everyone's mom and that's, uncle that's right. and grandma and yeah. everything girlfriends and clothing and air it's like everything, everything is game yeah everything was game. on the line there and you can't do that shit today man i know and i think sometimes that's where i got in trouble because i look over at that guy and go hey man you think you could play pro sports? You need a Tokyo phone book to stand up and look a guy in the eye. That guy right. look at me and go, Tokyo phone book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 different now, you know, because of all of the, you know, because there's so much media. I mean, they got the bright lights on them so much. But, you know, when we played, you know, 
you you had a ball in the locker room because it was kind of it stayed in the locker room. Yeah. But you know, if you don't, if it, the, the great thing I liked it is, look, I don't care who you were. If you couldn't take a joke, then you got to get over it because you they're gonna crack on you. I mean, the guy's gonna say something about you, and if you don't like it, too bad. You know? Hey, man, you better. You better toughen that skin up, man, because if they find out that you can't take it, that's they're gonna jump on your ass even more. That's right. <laughs> hey, don't hey, don't do anything stupid or say anything stupid because that they, those guys are like wolves, man. They see some dead animal on the road, they're gonna that's dive right. on this thing. And they don't forget they don't forget things either. Don't forget things. I got 10 questions here for you that I put uh -huh. up here, and I want to ask you. Here's question one. Will yeah. Jalen Hurts play 17 games in 2023? You know, I, I hope he will, but I, I, I could – no, I would say no. I mean, you know, they got to get him away from – he can't be running the ball as much. Cannot do that. You put everything on the line if you got him out there running the ball too much. And I would show him tape of Russell Wilson when he was up in Seattle. Russell Wilson's going to slide. He's not going for extra yardage. He will use his legs to, to take off, but he's not going to take any shots because he knows he's got to stay healthy. That's one of his jobs. And, and Jalen has got to look at it that way. They are not the same team if he's hurt. Come on. They're nowhere near being the same team. So he's got to stay healthy. And it's the one thing where if I had, you know, one bit of advice I would give is I would say, look, don't you guys run. Don't you run him too much. Don't you do that. You know, here's here's question two. Will Hurts yeah. throw for 4K and 30 touchdowns this year? I probably would say, yeah, because. Oh, uh, wow. I, I, th I think, you know, if they go the way I wanted to see them go, which is have them play from the pocket. Doggone, how is somebody going to cover all the guys they got? I mean, they got the run threat. You can't cover all these guys. You know, there's no way. I mean, and these guys are getting better. You know, uh, these guys haven't even reached their peak when I think about the wide receivers, you know. And Goddard was hurt for a lot of the year last year. Come on. I got a question. You, you can't I got a cover question. the receivers and Goddard, and now you got Swift coming out of the backfield. I'm telling you, that's too much. There's nobody can cover all those guys. So I would have him, I would tell him, look, Jalen, we don't want you running. If you can stay in the pocket, let these guys do the work. Get the ball in their hands. Like, get the ball to Swift. Because Swift is – he's terrible, man. Any linebackers get caught one-on-one -on, -one on him, man. They're going to wind up, you know, on a highlight reel. So Oh, no, I, I, and I, I think he's going to improve. They got a lot of weapons. I think they're going to improve the screen game here. Well, that yeah. being said there, you bring up the running back. Um, yeah. Do you think that the Eagles will have a 1,000-yard rusher this year? No. So it's going to be more by committee. It's going to be more by committee. I don't think Swift is a guy you can give the ball to. You're not going to give him to give it to him as much as they did Miles last year. So you really have running back by committee. But the thing he gives you is he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield uh, than Miles. He's much better. And you get him in open field, you got headaches. This kid is a, a game breaker. And so if, if they will just – Put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. That's the way they got to be thinking. And, and, and let them do it. Everything will, will flow because there's no way they can cover all the people the Eagles have. And they still got that running game there. But they, they need to just not as much. 
Jalen running the ball. Don't do it because every time he touches it, it's it's a risk. How about you, this? Yeah. Will the Eagles have three pass catchers with 1,000 yards? You know, I think they're going to get near it, but probably not. Uh, you know, they're going to you know, get if Goddard near. doesn't get hurt, Gary, he probably sniffing a thousand. You know what? I, I think they're going to get very close to it. You know, the thing is, that means you know, I, I could. I mean, they could do it. There's, there's no way. There's no reason they couldn't do this because you're going to be picking your poison every time you play them. I mean, they got so much to throw at you and now adding swift too i mean and that's now adding open swift. those guys up more uh now i you know i i think you make a good point because there are going to be times when they have got to be thinking screen we cannot let this guy get out and so he's another weapon yeah he's the best pass catching wide i mean running back that they've had here i mean he's better he's better than the guys they've had even though you know they uh, uh, I think some of the you know youngsters are good, but Swift has got he is dynamite out of that backfield. You already got to worry about Goddard. You know you got AJ Brown. You know you got Smith, Devontae Smith. There's no way. And then we haven't even talked about if you know if Quez Watkins will play the way he's capable, play with more confidence. But but I see a big year. I think they can really be so explosive. And uh, I think Jalen is another year of all of the, the confidence building as well as seeing everything again. When a quarterback sees it, the more times he sees it, the quicker he he, he is able to recognize things. So I, I just think that um, he will see things that much quicker this year. Gary, do you think on defense they have three dudes with double-digit sack years? Uh, no, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, they may get near it uh, because – you know, you still got, okay, um, Hassan Reddick. Okay, you still got him. Sweat, I think, coming on. You got both of those guys coming from outside. But I think that, uh, you know, you're going to get the young kid in there, you know. Um, so they're, they're still going to be doing some rotation. So I think you get near that, but I don't know if they do three. Um, and that's all going to depend on the defensive coordinator. I mean, I like the way the dude talks. I mean, <laughs> but I, I don't know what kind of defensive coordinator he's going to be. Uh, you know, I went over there and I heard him talk and everything, but I don't know what kind of defensive coordinator he's going to be. So uh, I think to say three over 10, that's a lot, man. But uh, I definitely two over 10. How about but, this? Gary? But they'll be, they'll be close to it. One of the guys at the Novacare Center, um, one of my spies. Mm hmm was listening to you and me talking. You know what he said to me? He goes, Sills, don't overcook it. Because I, I said something about Matt Patricia being brought in. And the first thing that this guy said to me was, he goes, well, let me ask you something. Are we playing the Dolphins this year? And I go, yeah. He goes, are we playing the Bills? He goes, I go, yeah. He goes, are we, are we, are we playing the Jets? The Jets. Yeah. I go, yeah. And he, I go, are we opening with the Patriots? I go, yeah. He goes, Howie Roseman brought in a hitman for the AFC East teams. <laughs> uh, you know, and he goes, you're right on this disguises. Yeah. You're right on that. But yeah. here's a guy that's been game planning 18 years in that division. Mm -hmm. That hire looks even. He goes, everyone's missed it, Sills. Yeah. We brought him in. 
because we're opening with New England and we're playing the AFC East this year. I mean, kind of I mean, makes sense now, right? Hey, I have uh, I've seen teams do that in the NFL. Uh, how much it benefited them from the standpoint, you know, even uh, doing things like signing a guy off of a team, you know, a uh, guy that was on that team. They see he's out there. They grab him and, and they want to pick his brain, you know. So I, I definitely think he's got something he can add uh, information about all these teams. So I think he does bring something to the party. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, not to mention, you know, he come on, he, the guy's been around a lot of winning. So I, I, I think he's a hell of a coordinator. I mean, yeah. he's got three Super Bowl rings and mm -hmm. I think he's going to be an impact. Look, head coach, not everybody's made out to yep. be a head football coach. I got That's another true. question. I got another uh -huh. question for you here. Who do you think has a bigger impact on the Philadelphia Eagle defense in 2023 between these two players, Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis? Well, I'd probably say Jalen Carter. Huh? I probably would say him because I think he's made for the pro game. You know, he's a better pass rusher. Uh, I don't know what – I don't know how Jalen's coming back and how they're going to utilize him. But Jalen Carter is a pro defensive tackle right now. He he just has all the elements. Jay, um, you know, uh, Jordan Davis is developing – you know, he can be a factor against the run – but his pass rushing, he, he he's he's starting he's starting um afresh. He hasn't done he didn't do much at Georgia. Whereas I saw the quickness of Jalen Carter, man. You know, getting skinny, you know, he already does that. He, no great he, hips. Yeah, great hips. He's turns. already got he's already got that. And a lot of times he's gonna be one on one. Come on, they're not going to say, oh, man, they got all these other guys to worry about. Hey, we got to watch this rookie in the middle. No, they, they cannot be focused on him. So a lot of times he's going to be one-on-one, -on -one and I think he's going to get the chance to do some things. I'm I'm really interested in seeing the progress that Jordan Davis makes. You know, and he's been working with the coach, and they've been working with him and everything. Now he's got a tremendous potential. But I think that Jalen Carter comes in, I've already seen him on tape, make moves and have the explosiveness that's going to give a guy who's one on with him, one one on one with them give him headaches plus i've seen him run over people and then you got to run about worry about a guy who's got the quickness to go around you and he can run over you you got to think about all that that's a lot for a uh, an offensive that's going to be a formidable that's going to no. be a form, formidable duo if those guys can put it all together here yes. two last questions for you here who has a tougher who has a tougher task this year? Brian Johnson not screwing the offense up or Sean Desai building the defense back up? Now that now that is the question. I would I will go ahead and go uh with Desai having a tougher job because Johnson has Nick Sirianni there. See? And Nick Sirianni already was had a hand in everything. And he was overlooking everything. Yeah, you know, um, he wasn't calling the plays, but he's there listening. And he knows what he wants. And this is his offense, really, you know. So the the the, um, the orchestrator, really the designer of the offense is still there. Even though he's not calling the plays, he's still there. So I think there's an advantage there. that that uh, And plus, you know, he's not new. He's been there. He, he's, he's been around uh, when they were – 
They were doing everything last year. So I think that he has more help. Uh, Desai, on the other hand, he's he's the guy running the show. I mean, he he's got a, he's he's got uh, he doesn't have somebody looking right over his shoulder that is that knows what he's what he wants. It's going to be his call, and he's he's new to a lot of these guys, so he's got to find out and get a feel for them. Uh, Johnson was already there, so that's a that's the uh, the advantage I think he has is that the um, offensive coordinator has been there. He knows the quarterback. He knows what the quarterback likes, all of that. Uh, whereas defensively, you know, you got a guy that's new. Let me let me tell all of you people here something here that this question that I'm going to ask, and I don't even know if he had ever met him, but I had met him and he lived in Stanford. And I'm going to ask you a question about Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Who had a bigger impact in your life as an athlete, Jim Brown or Jackie Robinson. And by the way, folks, Gary and I lived in the same city with Jackie. My dad played golf with him. Yeah. You're a little tat. You're, you're, you're a couple years older than me. So I'm sure you, when you were a kid and you sports on. ran into my Jackie. Little league, came to my little league banquet. I'm 10 years old, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Robustelli I mean, you know, and I, I didn't know the significance, you know, you, oh my, you know, my God, Gary, my, my dad's trying to tell me, you know, <laughs> But did I really know the significance? I got Jackie Robinson at my little league banquet. Yeah, Gary, get this. My yeah. dad's playing golf with him at Hubbard Heights, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, my dad goes like this. Hey, this guy's really, you know, what you're, you'll know. And I look the stats up. I go, this guy had 100 home runs. He hit 298. Who the hell is this guy? And he, she goes, he goes, you'll know later on. And, you know, he had a really talk, really talk, like, you know, really That's high right. voice and all this and yep. that. Yep. That 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 silver hair. He yeah, the was silver a hair fixture in Stanford, yeah. Pound Ridge, that whole area up there. You know, that's right. But yeah. who had a bigger impact for you as an athlete growing up? Was it Jim Brown or was it Jackie? Uh, well, you know, that's tough, man. Because um, you know, I remember my dad. You know, I saw Jim Brown play some right at the end of his career. That's when I was started looking at you know uh, football on TV, and. Um, I also, I wore number 32 when I was playing in high school, you know, because of Jim Brown, man. Um, but I probably would say uh, Jackie because, you know, I I, I met him. Yeah. You know, I, I met him. Me too. You know, uh, I, you know this is during those early years. Uh, yeah. Even though, you know, I, I met Jim too. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's really tough for me to say because um, – you know, Jim Brown did so much when it came to not only, um, you know, playing and everything, but the way he, he left the game and went into acting and um, he would come in and advise guys, you know, and um, he, he, he always was really trying to trying to help as many people as he could, you know, to bring them along and, and, and get people to uh, to be the best they could be, whether they're athletes or not. So. Uh, maybe I'd have to go ahead and, and, and change that and say Jim Brown, man, because, um, you know, I played football. You know, I didn't go on and play in the, uh, baseball. If I played baseball on the pro level and everything, yeah. Yeah, but you, Jackie, you, but you you could have. And I'll tell you one last story before I let you go here. Uh huh. I don't think people realize me and Pizzuli looked up to this guy right here because Pizzuli went to – Pizzuli played like six, seven years in the NFL too, played with Catholic with me. and Uh-huh. 
I go, who the hell is this Gary Cobb? He goes, the whole Cobb family. I mean, your brother, everybody. We're like, these guys own Stanford. Yeah. I mean, they own it. Hey, you ever see Cobb hit a home run? Guy knocked it over here. The guy did this. Guy hit 788. I'm going like, oh, my. He went to USC? Me and, dude, me and Pizzuli, man. We looked up to you so much, man. I don't think you realize that, Gary. You really set the, you set the path for all of us because a lot of kids, after you ended up going, uh, Craig Bingham, mm-hmm. all them guys, right? Yeah. All them guys would go on and play college ball and into the NFL because you set yeah. the path. And, and also Bobby V. Yeah, that's right, Bobby V. Well, you know, I, 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 uh, I mean, I appreciate that. And uh, a lot of times you don't know who's watching when you're doing things. That is true. Uh, but I really I saw felt you always, playing the Babe Ruth League. Yeah, yeah. And I always, <laughs> I always uh, felt good about that. And I know when I would see uh, people and, uh, you know, they had a connection with Stanford and everything, I really appreciate it because great baseball, I mean, great sports town, man. I mean, and a lot of good people, you know. I can, I really just uh, Mickey thankful. Leone. Oh, man, good people, man. Uh, you know, Coach Leone. Oh, man. Just, just great guys. And, um, you know, they let, they, I mean, they were honest with you. And uh, we set a great example. And man, you know, I had a great time growing up, man, playing ball, man. That's why, that's why I'm here talking about it now, man. I, I, uh, hey, hey, what what made the decision for you not to go to baseball? Because I, I tell I tell everyone USC, man. Were you USC. drafted? <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, but the the big thing was it was because see when I went to USC, uh, as uh, you know, they had a great uh, baseball program, but come on, it was nowhere near the football program. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere on the campus anywhere, man. You were a USC football player. It, it's a whole different thing, man. And Mark you know? McGuire and Tom Seaver played. That's right. Yeah, they had all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Randy Johnson. Is Randy Johnson a Southern Cal guy too, uh, right? No, he's not, a, he's not a Southern Cal guy. But they had a number of others. They had some good pitchers there and things. Uh, but Jack Del Rio played. Yep, Jack Del Rio. He played there. Yep, that's right. Yeah, man. A lot of great baseball. Bobby V and all that. Hey, yeah. Gary, always great to catch up with you, my friend. I'll tell Keith you said hi. Thanks a lot, my friend. All right. Have a good one. You got it, everyone. Thank you so much. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was, it, was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another shout out to this place for for making it easy turning tragedy into a celebration of life no matter how hard is what we do at life celebrations by givenish life celebrations by givenish customizing services as unique as the individual e-a-g-l-e-s eagles National Football Show. Appreciate y'all coming aboard. Thank you very much. Please hit the like button. Our friend Keith Jones, the president of the Flyers, will step in with us at 5.30. Seth Joyner tomorrow will jump aboard with us. Bruce Arians will be with us on Wednesday. We appreciate all of you coming aboard. Thank you so much. Hey, Big Seals, just for a laugh, what number does Jalen rank this year on Chris Sims' quarterback board? (laughs) That'll be an interesting... That'll be an interesting take. By the way, I saw a lot of people putting their top five players of all time. And I even saw Jim Irsay put his top five and, or maybe it was top four, whatever. He didn't have Peyton Manning in it, nor should he. Peyton Manning's not the top five players in the history of the NFL. He's not even the greatest cult quarterback. I mean, Unitas is. Out of sight, out of mind. Peyton Manning's not a bit. you imagine United's playing in today's NFL? Couldn't mug Raymond Barry? Are you crazy? Johnny Unitas in today's NFL, where you couldn't hit quarterbacks, and Raymond Barry could, and John, and, um, John Mackey could run down the sidelines and you couldn't hit those guys. Those guys would, those guys would throw for six, 7,000 yards too. And, and they played a ton of years getting murdered. I don't believe, I I just don't believe that Peyton Manning's a better quarterback than Johnny Unitas. I just do not. Out of sight, out of mind though. So I put these five guys down as my five best players in NFL history. It's funny, man. This thing has changed a little, but not much. There's only been one guy added to my top five. Number one, I got Brady. I think Brady's the greatest football player ever to play. Played the most important position. And I think he's the greatest football player of all time. I got LT, too. Um, I, th- I think Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive football player that's ever lived. Junior, two, thank you. I got Joe Montana, number three. 
I think Montana, um, if again, here's another guy played in today's era. You couldn't stop him. I got Rice four. Jerry Rice is the greatest offensive weapon. Um, you know, that Montana one, I debated. Montana, ah. Nah, I can't do it, man. I can't do it with I can't. It's Brady one. Boy, this this one here. It's Brady one LT, Jim Brown. It's not Montana. It's Brown, Rice, and Reggie White. I think those are your five. I think could you put anyone else ahead of Brady? And you watch this. You guys could probably rank them. Any way you want these five, right? Brady, LT, Jim Brown, Rice, and Reggie. I don't think you would omit any one of these guys, nor do I think you would add anyone. Who else would you add to that mix? Walter Payton? Maybe. Joe? Maybe. Okay? Maybe. But I, I don't. I don't think you can omit any one of those five guys. I think those are the five greatest players that have ever played in pro football. Randy Moss. Randy Moss is not greater than Rice. Rice had two hundred touchdowns. Do you understand two one five? Not to say that he's not an electric player, and probably more gifted athletically. But I would say this to you: two one five. Jerry Rice has 200 touchdowns and the next closest guy is like 50 away. He averaged two catches for his 17 year or 20 years, three catches a game. And he had 200 touchdowns to be one of the greatest. You have to literally be unstoppable and not many players are unstoppable. You have, an unstoppable list. Rice has more TDs caught than most quarterbacks have thrown. That's tone. That's insanity. So he's right. Do you know that Jerry Rice has caught more touchdown passes than Joe Namath threw? Or Bradshaw? Steve Young. Can I ask you why you left Jerome off the top 10 Eagles? I personally would have taken out Jason Peters and had Jerome in the top five. I just think that some of those guys, Jason Peters, um, is better than Jerome. I can't, I can't do it with emotion, without emotion on that. Jerome just didn't play long enough. I think Jerome had the, – the reason I didn't put him in the top 10 Eagles because I don't think he played long enough. Um, he Hey, Jerome was going to be an Eagle Hall of Famer. There's no getting around that. He'd have been an Eagle Hall of Famer. Peters played forever. Um, and in and a, and a state – by the way, Jason Peters, Lane Johnson – One played the left tackle position. That's an advantage, Peters. 
Mm, man, is that close. Mm. That's a spectacular question. Jason Peters or Lane Johnson, if I had to put one of those guys in the Hall of Fame and they're up at the same time, theoretically, if they were, who would you put in, Sells? If I was asked this question, which I get asked every year, mm. Personally, I think Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, I think they're better than Joe Thomas. Oh, man. Ken says, Jerome, we love guaranteed not enough all pros at the position. That's the only reason, Ken. Ken, it's the only reason. Because Jerome needed to play a little longer. And I wanted to give respect to the guys who put a lot of years in, in Philadelphia. I mean, I like to look around a 10 year mark, something in that room, you know, it's super tough. Lane was always more healthy, but Jason Peters at his peak was a brick wall lined with titanium, man, dude, his punches. And plus he's a left tackle. I put more into that because you're protecting the blind side of your guy. Jason Peters is a bitch, man. In his heyday, man. And, and Jason Peters or Trent Williams. Oh, man. I don't know. Boy, that's I, I, these are really hard questions you guys are asking me. The hardest position in football. Backside of the quarterback. Both Lane and Peters didn't even start on the O-line. Peters was an undrafted tight end, and Lane was a former quarterback. That's insane. That just shows you why, and how, why they're, again, they're, they're athletic. Those are athletes. You know, usually back in the day, you've got fat guys playing O-line. Now, today, you've got these guys like Lane Johnson and Larry Allen. The best offensive lineman I've ever seen is Larry Allen. Um, Bruce Matthews, Mike Munchak. Jimbo Colvert, Keith Van Horn. Lane's better than Keith Van Horn. Peters is better than Van Horn. I don't – Bruce Matthews or Jason Peters or Lane. Man, those guys are all in that – like, if you're making a conversation for Lane – see, when Lane comes up for the Hall of Fame, I don't think it's going to be a long conversation, and I don't either with Peters – and I would do this with Peters. When his, when his time comes up, I'm going to say this. I go, you know, did he dominate the position during his era? He surely did. I believe Jason Peters is better than Tony Baselli. And I love Tony Baselli. I believe that 
Is Lane better than Tony Baselli? Probably. Probably. Um, JM says that Baselli didn't play long enough, and yet he made the Hall of Fame, JM. That's the conversation that you now have about guys like Sayers and Baselli and Terrell Davis. Those guys didn't play long, still made it. I think Sayers went into the Hall of Fame and he was 32 or 28. He may have been 28 when he went to the Hall of Fame. You imagine that? I think Gail Sayers was like 28 years old when he went to the, when he went to the Hall of Fame. It's something stupid, man, like that. Six years. I don't think Terrell Davis played any longer, though. Yeah, man. Sayers played six years. Think of that. So six years, he comes out of college. He was 26, 27, 30. He's probably 31 or 32 when he went to the Hall of Fame. Trey Thomas or Jason Peters? Trey's a great player, but that's a different. Hey, listen, Trey is a fine ball player. And I mean a green jacket wearer, and he is a really good football player. And I don't want to disrespect him, but Trey Thomas is a heck of a player. Peters is a different level, though. Those Peters and Lane Johnsons and Trent Williams and, like, Larry Allen guys, those guys are, I mean, like, like, I would say this to you. Trey Thomas and Nate, just to give you some comparison, who a uh, Yale? Who was the tackle? It, it skips my mind. Who's the tackle that played in Dallas all those years on the other side? That was uh, that was the All Pro guy that played there for a ton of years there in Dallas during the um, Aikman years. He's kind of like that guy, uh, Trey Thomas. He, he was a good. He's a great ball player too, but he's kind of like like right there. Not Larry Allen. Larry Allen's a different dude. I'm talking about the offensive tackle. That they had out there. Um, God, what was his name? It, it skips my mind. Pl- played offensive tackle. He, he Trey's kind of like that. And I, I, Trey's better than Bubba Paris. Um, he's better than that. Trey's a great ball player, though. I can't think of that, that Dallas Cowboy offensive tackle. Played there forever. Eric Williams, that's it. Thank you, Hebrew. Eric Williams. Eric Williams and Trey Thomas are probably the same kind of guy. John Runyon, I would compare to Keith Van Horn. Something like that. Van Horn. Uh, the guy who played with the Hogs. Um, he, he, he was somebody like that. Okay. John Runyon is a great ball player. Really great. Okay. Power Hour's coming up. Our friend Keith Jones, the new president of the Flyers, is going to join us. He's on his way to the rink. We hope to catch up with him. Um, We're going to reset. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Magic phone has been ringing. Guess who has been absent from today's OTAs? And maybe a new member of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you want to take a guess? Man. This one gonna hurt a little bit. Okay. Dalvin Cook. <laughs> no, not Dalvin Cook. Guess who could be traded to the Cowboys today or tomorrow? No, it's not Derrick Henry. Let's see if you guys could get it. Tone, you got it. The second one. 
Anton lands right on it. Looks like the Cowboys and the Cardinals are trying to work a deal out. Now, DeAndre Hopkins is not at OTAs today. And it looks like they're trying to put a deal together to bring DeAndre Hopkins to Dallas. My God. <laughs> ho, ho. Whew. That might sting a little. That might sting a little. <laughs> Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, and CeeDee Lamb? I don't know. Tony Pollard catching footballs out of the backfield too? I don't know. You might want to coordinate that up. <laughs> you, 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 you might want to come up with a scheme for that one. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. DeAndre Hopkins. See, and get this, Buffalo today made some deals for a tight end and a wideout. And everyone in Buffalo was like, it's not Hopkins. <laughs> everyone thought he was heading to Buffalo. Dude, the word is that Hopkins, right now, Cardinals are taking all kinds of calls. The Jets are involved. Okay, the Jets, the Chiefs. Imagine DeAndre Hopkins in Kansas City. Might as well just give him a Super Bowl trophy. Hopkins and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City would be unbelievable. What are the Cowboys able to give up, though? Yeah, and, and the money, because they're not that great in cap money. Cap's an issue for that. They'd have to have it'd have to be a sign and trade. They completely would have to restructure that contract because there's a shitload of money owed to him this year, and there's a massive cap number next year. So you you would have to do a restructure and trade, in my opinion, for that thing to work. But then it means this. See, if you do shit like that, okay, and you restructure, the Cardinals are gonna want draft picks. They're gonna want picks. What would you give up for Dondre Hopkins? Their cap situation in future, they're going to need Howie in the building to make that contract work. That's right. They're going to have to have a restructure and trade. What would you give up for DeAndre Hopkins? Would you give a one-up for him? Man, no way. I'm going to pass on that. Would I give a two-up? I would. I'd give a two up for him. I'd give a two and a three actually for him. But I, I couldn't give a one up for him. He's older. He's coming off an injury. Still productive as hell. He was on pace for 120 catches. He would have had as many yards as A.J. Brown. He's not hurt a lot. He's got a ton of wide receiver yards. And he would have a quarterback that would actually be worth the shit throwing him the ball. Two twos for him. <clears throat> I think he's 31, 32, Yale. Still got shit. He's still got gas in the tank, though, man. He's having a good year last year. Boy, if the Cowboys landed that. If they, I, I'm, would I be more concerned about the Cowboys getting Hopkins or Henry? 
Well, I'd want to attack the Eagles with DeAndre Hopkins. Not de- well, Derrick Henry running the ball in between the tackles, testing out whether or not the Eagle run defense is good enough. Remember, every move you make is dictating on what the deficiencies are for the Eagles. You got to first beat Philly if you're Dallas. See, everyone used to chase Dallas. Dallas is chasing Philly like everybody else in the NFC East. Every single move I make now has to be with the understanding I have to attack Philly's weakness. And the weaknesses on Philadelphia right now, I don't think they have a – no, that's not right because they have a great run game because of their O-line. But I don't think they have a lot of skill in the running back position. Getting, Getting DeAndre Swift has upgraded that because now it makes them more versatile on being able to be a pass catcher and you got a screen game potentially that you could develop back there. So that's improved. The other weakness, there's none really on offense. Tight ends, great. The receivers are great. I mean, what what makes the whole Eagle offense spectacular is the offensive line. The center's a Hall of Famer. The right tackle's a Hall of Famer. The left tackle is going to be a pro bowler. The left guard is already a pro bowler. The receivers are sensational. I mean, the whole offense is just unbelievable. Uh, defense, you got holes everywhere there. Or I should say this, lack of experience everywhere, especially in the in, in the inner core of the defense. You know, the heart of the defense has been, go- has been taken away. The tackle position's thin, the linebackers are thin, and the safety position's new. And just because you draft these guys, that doesn't mean that that's fixed it. You have no idea if that's fixed it. Last year, at least you went into the game going, I got Hardgrave and Fletcher Cox. There's a certainty there. You didn't know what Kaiser White looked like, but you knew who TJ Edwards was. Your safety position was a little bit up in the air because you didn't know what the slot corner was going to look like. CJ shows up, leads the NFL in interceptions. Holes or questions? Well, Callie, I think they're both. You're, you're clearly not – you clearly have – well, the D-tackle position, is it a hole? That's a good one. Because potentially you could be an upgrade with Carter and Fletcher and Jordan. So I think it's a question, not a hole. You're right. The linebacker is a hole and questions. Questions are, can Dean play? Um, The other one is you're not deep at it. So it's both. And safety position, questions. Not a hole. Lack of experience. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But if I'm Dallas, who better to attack that defense and those linebackers the best third down, one of the best third down receivers in National Football League history is DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. D Hop was asked what are the his top five quarterbacks he would like to play with. His answer was Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Hey, I'll tell you what, Tone. That that Lamar to Baltimore. Can you imagine Lamar Jackson throwing the football 
to um I don't know if that would sit right with Dak having DeAndre Hopkins. Having the I, I do I don't know how having DeAndre Hopkins is a bad thing. Um here here, can you imagine Baltimore having no the fact D Hop didn't mention oh you know I don't wide receivers are weirdos anyway. Who cares? <laughs> Just come catch the ball. You put him in Baltimore with Odell Beckham and the kid they drafted. Now we're talking about something here. If they give Prescott DeAndre Hopkins and they still don't win a playoff game, it'll be Prescott's last year. Agreed. Hey, hey, the big question mark is this. This year, he's making $49.6 bucks. Next year, there's a there's like a $60 million cap hit. I don't know what Dallas is going to do. This has got to be the year that the Cowboys look at this and go, okay, do you really want to continue to walk backwards paying this quarterback? And, and see, to me, when it comes to the Cowboys and Dak, okay, if you want to move off him, what are you moving to? Now, do you want to play the quarterback charade game like they do in San Francisco? where you don't really know what you get every year? Do, hey, maybe you want to take a gamble, trade Dak to San Francisco, and you you trade for Trey Lance. I don't know. You, you trade him there. Maybe you trade Dak to Green Bay, Jordan Love. I don't know. I mean, you've got to do something to get cheaper at that position. Okay? I mean, to me, here – Especially with the way everyone is going now with the run, run, the RPO offense. And you're starting to see, again, you got to stick with what is working in Philly if you're Dallas. And so maybe getting one of these RPO guys like Trey Lance in to Dallas and you get cheaper. You're not going to pay Trey Lance a king's ransom like you are with Dak Prescott, where you're going nowhere with. That's a lot of money. The Cowboys right now, again, you see, this is, this is once again what has made what Howie Roseman has done even more. If I'm Dallas, I'm in a panic mode. Here's why. Because Howie Roseman came up with an innovative way to structure a contract that's not going to do what the Cowboys have. Do you remember all last year? I'm sure many of you do. Me saying this, once you start paying this guy, you're not going to have that team. And I I, I was 1,000% sold that that was going to happen because it always happens. Shit, we still see – look at the contract that the guy in New York just signed. I mean, look at, look at Daniel Jones' contract. Hertz gets a contract, and they still don't do it. And you're like, why would you sign that deal? Look at Lamar's deal. Lamar's cap hits are high still. Why would you not? It's because they don't want to give the money up front. See, the Eagles are not afraid. The Eagles are not, an, they're an organization that's not afraid to pay their guys. The NFL decided that the 49ers needed more help, so they put an extra quarterback ruling in there. Call, call it the Purdy rule. That's yeah, funny. Prescott and Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. The healthy Michael Gallup, 
with solid tight end play. Zeke is in his prime. Dak just doesn't have it. And I like Dak, but he it, the only time he has it, it seems, is against Philly. Watch the Big Sales Miami highlights yesterday. You were a beast, my man. Didn't realize you played with Danny Stubbs, another former Eagle. Oh, that's right. Stubby K did play um, for the Eagles a little bit. He was on my left side, Jerome on my right side. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Danny came get Danny played. I think he played with Baird a little bit too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he did. Man, Dallas getting Hopkins. I don't I don't know. They've got to do things to to combat what Philly's doing. And this Dak Prescott thing, I mean, the money that he is going to make this year and next year. He's got to – who would you say is under the most pressure this year of all the quarterbacks in the NFL? You think Dak has the most pressure to win? Or do you think because Jerry doesn't care about oh, – I've got to think Jerry cares about it. Is it Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson? Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Dak. I don't think Jalen – see – Jalen, Jalen, I don't, I don't think you play that. I don't think Jalen plays that way. I, I, I don't. I don't, I don't think he cares about the pressure. I think he welcomes it. Bringing Hopkins in is a sexy move and would drive ticket prices, but it doesn't change their culture. Prescott has more pressure on him than any quarterback in the league. That's what Tone's saying. Let me write that down. I like that question. Dak. Kyler Murray. I'll tell you what, if Kyler Murray doesn't show me something, I'm going to move off that guy quick. I am going to move off that guy as soon as it's financially feasible for me to. In the next two years, if Kyler Murray doesn't show me anything, I'm moving off that kid. I am not going to sit around and wet nurse a kid who I'm not sure even wants to be there. Go back to the A's. Shit, this kid may be even thinking about playing baseball. I don't know what he's thinking. I'm moving that guy if that doesn't work. It's not happening here. I just To me, again, it's all about culture inside the building. This is one of the absolutely coolest things that you see here when we're talking about building a culture. And... A friend of mine who's been in broadcasting for many years is now the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's our friend Keith Jones, and Keith joins us now here. Keith, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you so much. I know you're on the way to the rink now. Yeah, I actually made it here, Dan, getting ready. I'm actually sitting in the stands hoping that they don't start firing off some pregame testing, I can tell you that. But, yeah, excited about that. Uh, the opportunity with the Flyers and also about the game here tonight with Carolina and Florida going at it. It's been a very good series so far. Keith, tell me something. Is this something that you always looked and maybe wanted to do? Or is this something that just developed and it was a new challenge for you? I know how much you love broadcasting. Was this just something that just it, the stars lined up correctly for it to work? Yeah, that, that is the best way to describe it, Dan. Everything, 
everything just seemed to fall into place. And it is the only team, the only organization that I would have ever considered this type of role. Uh, I've lived in Philadelphia for the last 25 years, did morning radio for many years with Angelo Cataldi and got a great sense for what the city was all about throughout that experience, was doing Flyers games throughout that as well and getting to connect with the fans in that regard. And I owe so much to the city that I felt like I have something to give back and uh, I'm going to try you know, to get this team back on track, get it played. Oh, Keith, you still there? Let's see if we can reconnect here with Keith a little bit here, because I like I got some questions here. I'd love to follow up. Keith, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Did hey. I cut off. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, that's okay. Just a little bit there, Keith. Let me let me throw this at you with culture. We're watching something in the in the NBA playoffs right now. We're watching what Pat Riley has developed down with the Miami Heat. It's a bulldog mentality. It's about the organization. It's about the team. How important is that for you to bring guys with vision that you have on the type of culture that you want to see? Because to me, what I'm watching with the Eagles too, Keith, this comes down and it trickles down, man. If you don't have that culture, I don't care how many stars you have, you're not going to win. How important is that for you? Sorry, Dan, this, uh, the signal's just cutting out here inside the arena, so... Can you hear me, Keith, right now? Yeah, I can. It just cut out on me, but I, I heard what you were talking about with uh, Pat Riley and the Heat, and that's there's no question that is uh, something to really delve into. There's no doubt that you need quality people that are in positions to make your team come together. Uh, culture is a word that's used often. Really, it's building relationships within where people leave the – the environment that they're in, the working environment, and feel good about what they're doing. And whatever their role is, they're contributing to the team's success. So those are all the things that we want to try to build with the Philadelphia Flyers. And successful teams have done that throughout all of sports. Keith, I'll ask you two questions. I know you got a role here. First, I'll ask you about one thing that I was talking with a bunch of NHL guys and how the Vegas guys – built that organization they didn't really have a cap did you ever have a problem with the way that Vegas and the Knights were built and the way that they put that organization together where back in the day people had to really struggle for a little bit and they were able not to have to deal with a cap did you ever have a problem with the way that Vegas built that team with different rules uh, not really because they paid so much, Dan. And in doing that, they upped the value on every team in the National Hockey League. You look at what teams are selling for now, including the Ottawa Senators, and the prices are skyrocketing because of prices that came into the game with expansion teams. I think that's contributed to it, amongst other things. But uh, I don't, I don't feel bad about that situation. You do feel for teams like Florida that did not have the same luxuries. And a big reason why for many years franchises like the Florida Panthers have had difficulties making the playoffs. Uh, but I think those advantages are well earned, especially with the price that Vegas and Seattle both put, uh, paid for their recent expansion teams. Keith, why, why is Vegas up to love over Dallas in this series so far? 
it, it's a tight series. There's no doubt. They, you know, Dallas had game two. It looked like they were going to skate to victory and had that late collapse. A very evenly played series. I would suspect Dallas will get things even with a couple of wins at home. But Vegas is impressive defensively. They're getting lots of stars contributing, including Jack Eichel. That His play has just been outstanding. Great to see him involved in the playoffs. Uh, the goaltending has been a lot of different guys jumping in there, but the strength of Vegas is their defense. And I think that's ultimately why they'll win the series, but I do think Dallas will get things even with a couple of home wins. Last one for you here. How surprised are you what the Panthers are doing uh, to Carolina in this series? Yeah, that's uh, there's been moments where Carolina looked like they were going to take over a game, like in the first period of game number two, but Florida's a resilient team. They're a team that really believes. Remind me a lot of the LA Kings back in 2012, I believe, on one, one of their Stanley Cup runs as an eighth seed that eventually resulted in a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, the stars are shining. Their goaltender has been incredible. Bobrovsky, much like Jonathan Quick, and Matthew Kachuk is doing his part to ensure victories late in games and really late at night sometimes. So uh, they've, they've been impressive, and um, I, I think they're going to be really difficult to stop. But Carolina's a team that competes extremely hard, plays consistently the same way, and I guess they'll go with Frederick Anderson tonight as he gets the net back. He, he is an outstanding net minder. It's going to take a lot for Florida to go up 3-0. Yeah, well, Carolina will always be the Hartford Whalers to me. But, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Keith, maybe maybe at the end of the day here now, maybe you are the more famous guy out of your home city than Gretzky. I mean, now, that, you know, that, you're running the whole shebang now. I don't know. I, I told Wayne you were coming on. He's like, look at Jonesy here, man. What's going on here? Uh, he, he is the best. He, he had a great uh, uh, call with uh, Gretz going back, yeah, I guess, about seven, eight days ago when I was talking to him about the job. He said, well, I'll see you at the final because we are working at it. It is TNT this year. And he says, I'll be the guy with a resume in his back pocket. I, I started laughing. He, he is the best. He's been such a pleasure to really get to know here well over the last couple of years. A hometown guy, but he's six or seven years older than I am. Uh, good friends with his family, but now great friends with him. And as you know, Dan, uh, if you're friends with Wayne Gretzky, you're doing things right. Absolutely. Well, Keith, I'm going to let you go here. And I, I know that you had to have been torn between two worlds, getting back in it and really being in it and building something that's going to have your name on it. And broadcasting means a lot to you. But there's always something I tell everyone about Keith Jones. Anything he's in, he's in it to win it. So, Keith, good luck tonight. Good luck on the calls. We'll, we'll be in touch. And I'm looking so forward to you building this Flyers organization back up to what it should be. Thank you so much for doing this, Keith. Have a great call. Yeah, always good to catch up with you, Dan. Look forward to it in the future. Thanks very much. You got it. Keith Jones, the president of hockey operations for the Philadelphia Flyers. We're going to take a timeout. Going to run you to the top. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Hit the like button. Steph Joyner tomorrow. We will talk to the legendary Eagle linebacker tomorrow, and then Bruce Arians will join us on Wednesday. You think the NFL's in a good place right now with Amazon TV viewership down 42%? 42% Thursday night football was down. So is streaming really a big deal? Is it, is it the future? Is it now? 42% ratings or viewership. NFL is always in a good place, says Tone. Yeah, well, anytime you see minus 42, that's not a place the league lays in. I mean, you get dog shit games that get great numbers. That's why you see that Thursday night schedule kind of increased and you're looking. Get this. You know what the commissioner's doing this week? The commissioner is trying to get a flex schedule for Thursday night football. Well, excuse me, but did you pass that by the union yet? You didn't negotiate that with the union. That just shows you. The National Football League, they're not partners with the players. Okay? They're not they're not partners with the with the um with the players, oh yeah, well, let's debate whether or not we get um, 
we could flex Thursday. That's a that's a negotiation a deal. You just so what? You're just changing the game again. You're just going to rip the the contract up that you have with the players' association. Of course you are. You know why? Because the players' association has no backbone. They have no backbone because the owners own them. You know why they own them? They own them with fear. Non-guaranteed contracts. Hey, you don't like it? You don't have to play here. The only people we need are the quarterbacks. We don't give a shit about you. The commissioner this week is going to be negotiating whether or not to have flex. So they may be able to flex Thursday night games and also Sunday. Well, dude, if you had any kind of backbone as a union, you would talk what I talked about earlier, expanding the roster and getting another buy in there. I give a shit about that stuff. <laughs> oh my God, Brian's right. One day, hey, dude, the days of the Super Bowl being free is just about over. Why in the world would you not put the Super Bowl on a pay per view event and collect more money that way? 50 bucks to watch the Super Bowl. All the bars. You, what are you going to tell me? You don't think that the bars and people are going to pay for that? They're going to pay for it. The NFL is going to put the Super Bowl on pay-per-view. That's going to that's it, that's where it's heading. The most watched television show every year is the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't they make you pay for it? <laughs> I, you don't think so? Well, Okay, well, here, get this. So you pay a billion dollars, almost $2 billion for Thursday night package. You pay $2 billion for the Sunday night package. You pay another $2 million, $2 billion for Monday night. That's not even counting CBS's deal, Fox's deal, and ESPN's deal. That they when they when they have those games on a Saturday or playoff games, <laughs> the league man, the money the league made, the league doesn't see. I I think you guys, the league, the NFL is the only league that doesn't give a shit about attendance. I don't care about attendance. That's why when Santa Clara doesn't have any fans in it, or some of these stadiums are empty, like Washington, I don't give a shit. Ninety seven percent of the operating budget for all these teams and the revenue comes from TV. You know, Pepsi told me this stat years ago. Do you know that 97% of the NFL fans have never been to games? 97% of football fans, professional football fans have never seen a game live. They have seen it on the tube. Think of that. And the money just, Kind of lines right up. 97% of the budget and everything that the league makes every year comes from TV. Merchandising and ticket sales. It's becoming... NBA has to have ticket sales. That's why they bitch about it. NHL has to have ticket sales to be a viable league. Major League Baseball has to have attendance sales. Not the NFL. They don't give a shit if you're there or not. What they're going to do eventually, from what I'm hearing, they're going to have in-game prop bets that you could do from your seat. And when you sit down, you're going to be able to go like this. In, inside the stadium, 
you're going to be able to go Jalen Hurts, two touchdowns, 50 bucks, first half. And you're going to be able to start making prop bets. And the league's going to get a dollar per bet every single time that you make a bet. You get 70,000 fans making 10 bets. Add that up for how much that that will be for Jeffrey Lurie, who owns the Eagles. Although his fan base, if they made two bets at a dollar, he makes $140,000 just on a off a, off a fit off a five dollar bet. <laughs> I mean, then you start making 10, 15 bets. You're talking about maybe a guy clearing over three, four million dollars a game just in prop bets. Where you're gonna be able to do this is what the league they they haven't figured out yet how to monetize that. They just haven't figured that out yet. That would be incredible. Wouldn't be surprised. I'm not. I'm not a gambler either. I'm not. I'm not a gambler either. I'm not. I mean, I, I'll play the quarters and I'll when I go to Vegas and such like that, and I'll play some of the slot machines. But I traditionally, I'm not a gambler either. All right. Jersey sales. This goes into the popularity of the most popular players in the NFL today, as of May 22nd. Who do you think is the most popular? Actually, let's go from 10 up. Who is the 10th most popular player in the NFL, in your opinion right now? Who would you put in the 10 hole? Tenth most popular NFL guy, jersey sales. This is a good indicator. League uses this as an indicator when it comes to players that they sell when it comes to memorabilia, um, jerseys. The tenth most popular player. He doesn't even play. It's Tom Brady. As of May 22nd. Number nine. The Chicago Bears. Justin Fields is number nine. Fan base. Well, look at it here. Patriot fan base, 10. Chicago fan base, nine. Makes sense. The eighth most popular football player, according to jersey sales, is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is in the top 10? I'm actually shocked. Jalen Hurts is the eighth most popular player, according to jersey sales, in the NFL. I'm stunned. This guy has climbed a mountain like I've never seen and the mountain of success like nobody I have ever seen. I have never seen anything like this. His popularity, his play, the way people look at him. It's insanity. Justin Jefferson. Justin Howie Roseman Jefferson is seventh. Look at that, how he could have had the seventh and the eighth. Justin Jefferson with the greatness of Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. Number six, most popular player, Dak 
is back. That's more popular than Hertz. <laughs> hey, you know, Arthur, you know what's really cool? My uncle won the Burt Bell Award. How do you like that? Jalen and my uncle have a lot in common. No, the Cowboys are more popular than Hertz. Oh, there's a dig. No. CeeDee Lamb is number five. CeeDee Lamb? Maybe Tone is right. The, how is CeeDee Lamb? If CeeDee Lamb played on the Philadelphia Eagles, he'd be Jalen Rager in popularity. CeeDee Lamb is the fifth most popular player. Oh, it, it's Tone's right. It's the Cowboy thing. That's ridiculous. Joe Burrow is number four. If Dak was in Minnesota, he wouldn't be. Dude, if Dak was in Minnesota, hey, 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 Tone. If Dak was in Minnesota, he'd be white. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Dak and Kirk Cousins, you know what I think of that. <laughs> if Bobby Brister was the, <laughs> the quarterback in Dallas, he'd be fifth. Oh, man. Patrick Mahomes is third. Third most popular? I thought he'd be one. Micah Parsons is the second most popular football player in the NFL? Come on. Dak Cousins, that's a funny line. Dak Cousins. Oh, man. Also, C.D. Lamb is living off Michael Irvin's number 88. Andrew Pearson and Des Bryant. Reddick is better than Parsons. Pass rusher. Yes. And the number one most popular football player. And a guy I said is a star. Josh Allen is the most popular NFL football player in the NFL. Or do you think it's Bill's Mafia? <laughs> do you think it's Bill's? Here, look, look at this here. Yeah, Josh Allen's number one jersey sell. So you got Bill's number one, Cowboys number two, Chiefs, number three. Bengals, that's a shocker. Okay, that's an outlier. Since when do the Bengals have anybody that's worth the shit? Last time time I can remember they had anybody. Chad Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, Cowboys. The Cowboys have one, two, three. They got three players. Wait, one, two. They got three players in the top ten. 
for most popular players in the NFL. Well, I thought Mahomes, but Allen is not no surprise. Well, I think it's because of I think it's because of Bill's mafia. Josh Allen being number one is a real is a real stat. How many Buffalo fans can you find in LA? Allen has real fans, unlike Dak. <laughs> so does Hertz. So does Hertz. Look at some of the best fan bases here. Patriots are a good fan base. Bears are a good fan base. They just hate their team right now, but they're still going to support it. Throwing, hey, do, here, do you know where what Chicago Bears, do you know how they're supporting the Bears? They're throwing rocks at the stadium. <laughs> okay. See, when you're in Los Angeles or you're in New York, you just ignore it and don't go because you're not going to spend your money. If, if your team sucks in Philly, Buffalo, or in Chicago, you're going to have people outside throwing rocks at you when you leave the stadium and hot dogs at you, okay? Those fan bases, they're going to show up, and they're going to tell you what they think. Hey, you suck. Hey, you suck, man. I got one story for you. Hey, I got I – got, yeah, you'll dig this. So I had a I had I had a red vet. My first car I ever had was a red Corvette. And believe it or not, Norman Brayman got it for me. Here was the cool. Yeah, this is years and years removed. I think it's cool. <laughs> I think it is. So Norman Brayman, hey, you, you, hey, Tone, you're gonna love this. My first car was a Corvette. In 2025, NFL draft will be in Green Bay. Will people show up? Um. Yeah, Green Bay, absolutely. Well, they had to come over from Appleton. Green Bay's not that big, dog. <laughs> got to come over from Appleton. So I needed. I got a car. I got a Corvette. And Norman Brayman goes like this to me. He goes, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, I'm going to charge you a dollar a month. But when you get your contract with the NFL, it goes to $500 a month. It was a brand new Corvette, had two miles on it. And I went, fair enough. So my whole last year at Miami, I had this Corvette. Jimmy hated it. Jerome had a Grand National, a Mercedes. Jerome had like 10 cars. Hey, wait a minute, it gets better. So I'm, I, I, I get this car, and I really love this red vet. I mean, I did. Big Sills driving a red vet in South Florida. I don't. So then I get drafted to the Bucks. I drive it up there. I'm driving it. Here comes Cilio in his red Corvette. I come candy apple red too. And I, I I pull up, man. Then I pull to the stadium, and with some game we just got killed. This guy throws a hot dog at me, man. I'm walking out into the tunnel, Old Tampa Stadium. I'm going to our lockers. He throws his hot dog at me. He hits me in the neck. And he goes, hey, Cilio, I wish you fucking played like your car looks. You blow out loud. I looked at him and I went. He started laughing. I started eating a hot dog. And I go, you know, I have to agree. <laughs> he threw that hot dog, man. And he, he hit me in the side of that. <laughs> hey, hey, Tone. That guy just goes through, through and, and, and dude, ketchup. Oh, I had my helmet off like a dumbass. Ketchup and everything's here. And the hot dog 
sits right here. Hot dog sits right here, and I go like this. I look at the guy, he goes, you fucking suck. Why can't you play as good as your car looked? You're right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> he saw me pull up in a red vet. <laughs> Threw a hot dog at me. Everyone starts laughing, man. I was uh, walking in. Coaching staff looks at me, goes, you ate it? I go, what was I supposed to do? Throw it back at him? <sighs> what is it the what is it the one they serve in San Francisco? No. Those are wieners. They serve the little wiener dogs in San Francisco. In 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 the South and in Lincoln Financial in Philly, they serve actual man hot dogs. Okay, like 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 a normal hot dog. There's some stadiums, like you know, I'm not gonna say where, but they don't really serve you really. They don't really serve you food. White wine spritzers is not something Big Sills is drinking at a ball game. <laughs> um, it was me, Dan. <laughs> Story. Hey. Big Sills ain't fitting in no vet. Hey, hey, I did. You should have seen the other thing I had. I had I had a Lotus Esprit. Here's the cars I've owned. I had a Maserati Quadraport. I had a Lotus Esprit. I had no right owning that thing. A Corvette, a 911. This was in my football time. Those four cars. I had them at once. <laughs> I owned them at one time. Terrible mistake. Oh, man. And the vet. I own all those cars at one time. I, I'm... And so my dad is with me. We buy this Lotus Esprit. Dude, I, I mean, you take a, like a shoehorn to get me in. Hey. I fit in this thing. My dad's like, you do not fit in this thing. <laughs> it's a mid-engine car, too. And my dad's like, you do not fit in this thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I fit in this thing. Well, don't you think? I mean, it, it, like, I would have to have a Hot Wheels, like, steering wheel to drive this Lotus Esprit. It's... <laughs> no. <laughs> this picture, big sills in a Prius. Mm-hmm. No Priuses. If I got to plug it in, dog, that ain't working for me. Can you see Big Sills with a plug-in car going through the mountains? Shit, I couldn't get over the hills. You imagine me going across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge in a Prius? Shit, I get halfway over, man. That thing could start puttering at a, like, what does it have? Electricity? Volts? What happened to Big Sills' Prius? Well, look at him. <laughs> Hey, Big Seals had his Prius gave out. No, no, no. It takes a lot of power to move that guy's big ass across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. <laughs> yeah. uh, no electric cars. No, that ain't gonna happen for me. Yeah, that, that that's that's not that's that's not gonna work for me, man. Yeah, no. It's this 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 other hey. 
So let me let me throw this at you here, show you how these wide receivers are today. So why would DeAndre, why would Devontae Adams cry about the way the Raiders are doing business in May? Why is he upset in May? You got a contract. There's a new quarterback. You're not playing any football. Why are you so upset with the direction of the Raiders in May? Why are you pissed off? What's your problem? You're not even in OTAs. I think the Raiders started OTAs. I think 20 teams started today OTAs. Why are you bitching about your organization and your team in May? You never hear that shit coming out of Philly. You never hear negativity about the Eagles and win a Super Bowl. You know, sometimes, I mean, after, hey, after the Eagles went to the Super Bowl with T.O., that guy was bitching and moaning and doing sit-ups every day, right? Guy was making a scene of himself. You never see that. You never hear anyone go, well, what Gardner Johnson did on the way out the door, Jonathan Gannon kind of threw some shade, not crazy shade, though. Okay, not crazy shade. But why are you bitching about, like, the Raiders now? That just shows you. So he goes, yeah, I don't need, I don't need, um, I don't need Aaron Rodgers. Okay, well, I know he had a decent year last year. But isn't it, isn't it to me, when you're a wide receiver, don't you think that's something even, hey, how about this one too, Yale? Don't you think if Justin Jefferson had somebody like Dak throwing him the ball, in theory, his star would be bigger. It's not that he's not putting numbers up, but when people look at Justin Jefferson, there's a debate on who the best wide receiver is. I actually think it's him. But his name recognition in the league, I think the, I think Devontae Adams being away from Aaron Rodgers is taking some of that star power away from him. I think when you have like look at look at how much AJ Brown is looked at today compared to when he was in Tennessee. Will we not agree? People look at AJ Brown in a better light today with Jalen than they did with Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill got to a conference championship game with him too. I mean, I think that's why some that's why you had Tyree Kill kind of throwing small shade at Patrick Mahomes a little bit. Man, my guy is so accurate. He's the best. Yeah, well, Tua Tagovailoa doesn't have the same juice that guy in KC does. Look at look look at Devontae Smith. He, I mean, he's with Jalen Hurts. Now, now get this: Devontae Adams is with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know about you, but the public eye is always on Aaron Rodgers, good or bad, which means the eye's on you. And the eye's not on him. That's why he's kicking his feet up right now, kicking dust up, because people are forgetting who he is. All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me, man. Thank you so much. Love storytelling with you guys. You guys are a bunch of fun. Hey, by the way, Seth Joyner tomorrow. Bruce Arians will be with us on Wednesday. 
We so appreciate you guys coming aboard with us. Thank you to Keith Jones, the new president of operations for the Flyers, and also Gary Copper coming aboard. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, keep up the fabulous work as you do for us here at Jacob Sports. We thank you so much. Please don't forget tomorrow, 3 to 6, Eastern time, and we'll see you on the flip side.